Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Jeremy White and Sneaky Joe DiBiase. You've got to get a nickname, and if your name is a nickname, then they got to extend it. What are the Sabres' nicknames? Saves. Nobody on oh, I, I, I earth can't, I can't, says saves. I can't deal with another person trying to tell me that people don't say saves. Nobody says, who says saves? Do you say saves? Yes, people say saves. I've never heard you say saves. The saves? Yes. Jeremy White. People who, are saying saves. How many, like five people? Five million people I say saves. I hear more saves. people call them the swords than call them the that saves. That is the biggest lie that's ever <laughs> been told on these airwaves. Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Matt in Buffalo. What's up, Matt? Tell them what's up, Matt. Me and my friends all the time will say, what are you doing for the saves game? Nobody calls it the swords whatsoever. Absolutely. <laughs> no one calls it the saves. Matt, I'm not saying you're the best caller in show history, but you're top five. On WGR. The saves game. Saves. You need to be hanging out with more people. Sports Radio 550. Hey, good morning. Happy Thursday. Panthers are in town tonight for the Sabes. The Cats. The Cats. The Cats and the Sabes tonight? Who calls them the Cats? More people call them the Cats than people call the Sabes the Sabes. And that is shameful if that is true. It's uh, it's definitely, definitely true. The Cats. Don't they even have a uniform or an alternate? I feel like they're called the Rats more. No, No. they're they're the Cats. They throw rats. Yeah. Mm. Don't they have an alternate uniform that says Cats? Or am I thinking of the lightning with the bolts they uniform? Have, that, that exists. The bolts exist. Okay, then maybe there's no cats I, uniform. The Panthers cat. I don't know, but it, the imagine cats. if you live in South Florida and you say, like, oh, I'm going to the Cats game tonight. They'd be like, what? Well, I mean. Is, is Cats performing on Broadway? Well, then what, you, was, what's Broadway in Fort Lauderdale or but Sunrise? Florida, you would then clarify, like, I mean the Florida Panthers. And they'd be like, what's that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> maybe. Am I allowed to make that joke anymore? They're good. They probably fill up their building every night. They probably do. They won yeah. last night. In Pittsburgh, and uh, it's the only hesitation I have about, but, but I got to do it. I told you yesterday, we need the Sabres to go on the hottest run of all time and make the playoffs, and the way to do that is for me to bet them. So here we go. I'm going to do it right now, Joe. I'm going to lock in this win. I'm going to bet the Sabres to lose, okay. and they'll win. They've been uh-huh. doing that all year for me. I, I bet them like four times. Are you going to parlay it with a uh, Sam Reinhardt 40th goal of the season? Ooh. Imagine if it gets a not. Just, just not everybody probably follows the league as much as, you know, the, the diehards. If he scores tonight and just the casual fans sitting there probably got their feet up because there's nobody in front of them and they hear goal by Sam Reinhardt, his 40th of the season, and it just kind of hits everybody like, what did he just say? He's got how many goals? Because he's on 39 right now, and it's about to get to 40. Yeah. 
His uh, wins above replacement projected about a month ago was 95%. Like one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And he's having a Selkie caliber season. Yeah, I saw that. Like defensive rating or yeah. something. He's like number one in the league. Yep. And he's number two in the league in goals. Yes. I mean, shouldn't he be like a Hart Trophy nominee at that point? If he's the best defensive player forward in the league and he's second in the league in goals, shouldn't he be like in the the heart conversation? I don't know. I've not paid any attention to that whatsoever. All I know is that he's having the best year of his career, and it happens to be a contract year for him. By the way, it's it's not like a you know, it's not like a oh man, the Sabers had a fifty goal score under their nose the entire time, and they just couldn't pull it out of them. Here we go again with one of these stories, but it's. He's shooting 27%. That's pretty good. This is not going to be the norm for Sam Reinhardt, but hey, I guess it was in there. Like that one 50-goal year. There are guys like that, right? Jonathan Chichu had like a 15-year career. I think scored 50 goals one time. And Reinhardt's probably better than that, but this will be his best season, I'm imagining. Tim writes in, I can't wait to see the Burrs go play the Pants, which is funny. (laughs) The Burrs. The Burrs versus the Pants. Have we already talked yeah. about so- we have talked about sob rays before? People say sob rays. When did people say? Wait, wait, wait. wait. There's the sabes. There's the sob rays. Yeah, there's people say sob rays. No, I don't. I don't hear that. You these, think that's where, even- where are you going? That you hear these things? Listen, when you've been to a lot of games in this drought, you have to entertain yourself somehow, right? So you and- start calling them some like just yeah, a different different names. pronouncing the name differently. Different names, but not the swords. Not never the swords. Nope, never the swords. Maybe they'd have better luck if we started calling them the swords. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, good morning. 803-0550. There's a golf event this week. There's a picture going around of Josh Allen with Tiger Woods, which, man, Josh is living his, outside of not you know winning Super Bowls, best life. Plays with Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, he's playing with Tom Brady. Right. And today's Tiger Woods. Who's next? Messi? Would he even care about Messi? Would Messi play golf? Who's next? Would Messi know who Josh Allen is? I don't know. I'm sure he knows who Messi is. Yeah. Wh- who's next on the list? That he I Brady, mean, he's played with Tiger. Right. If you're if you're looking at Josh Allen's bucket list, he's you know checking like, off names. Who's next? Is he going to play golf with like Obama? I don't know. Who's uh, Kevin Hart? <laughs> Kevin Hart. Like we Steph we're, Curry. I think he's played. Steph Curry was there yesterday, so I'm imagining he's been around Steph Curry. I don't know if he's played with him. Yeah, like, uh, massive mega celebrity. Like, above sports level celebrity. Because he's, can he go higher? He's played with Tiger. He's played with Brady. Okay, there's one. Has he played golf with Michael Jordan? Ooh. Because that's the one. We know Michael Jordan plays golf. True. And that, if you were thinking of star power athlete, Brady, Tiger, if you're knocking off the big, the, the Mount Rushmore of athletes to golf with, I think Jordan's got to gotta be next. Jordan, and then who else is really big in the golf world? Well, the Jordan thing might be interesting because with, with Brady and Tiger, you know, Josh gets invited to these events to play golf, and hey, while you're here, why don't you play with this person? And I don't know, does Jordan go to a lot of those? Or if you want to play Michael Jordan in golf, do you have to call him? I think you call him. Yeah. Or Jordan call. No, Jordan calls you. You, you don't. Can, you, you don't call Michael Jordan. You can't for just a call Mike. I bet if you called no, no, Michael no, no. Jordan get, and offered to play for ten grand a hole, he'd he'd take you up on that. Maybe. Maybe. maybe the stories that. are he loves to play, loves to gamble. Of course. Yeah. Have your agent call Jordan's agent. Like Josh would love to meet you, and also he agrees to play. You know, 
Yeah. Ten thousand dollars home. I tend I tend to think it works the other way. You you get the call. Like it's it's like lure that like you're he's at this tournament this week and Tiger asks him, So have you got the call? He's like, No, not yet. And everybody knows what that means. It's MJ. G- MJ. MJ calls you because hey, what are you doing on Saturday? We're going to Augusta. I was just gonna say the answer is Augusta, but he has played Augusta. Uh Josh. Uh, Josh? Yeah. Did he play it or did he just go? I think he played it. I didn't know that they did that, like where you, celebrities you, could play it the well, week you of. Just, or, you could just be, or he said that he's played it like a different time, maybe the week after or something. I don't know. Yeah, he played. He played Augusta. Yep. So what does he got? I, play, I, like I searched Andrews this or something. I searched this, and apparently he, among other things, hit a 360 yard drive. That's nice. Um, was asked what's more nerve was most memorable shot at Augusta National. So I believe he did in fact play Augusta. What's left? St. Andrews. Get out there. But you can do that. The home of golf. He did you, say... you, you got to win a lot. Well, he probably doesn't have to win a lottery. The, the, the average person has to like win a lottery to get a tee time there. Didn't he say last year that his one of his dreams is to play the, the 100 best courses in the world? Yes. So yes. in the offseason, he plays an awful lot of golf. Which, Travels and plays with stars and everything. Yeah. Which There's, is fine, right? Wow. Uh, I found this article, golf.com. Obviously, he was asked like to name his partner opposing twosome for a dream edition of the match. And at the time, this would have been from Josh Allen from, when is this, September 2022. So he's checked off a lot of these boxes. He, he says, I obviously, I'd want to be with Tiger, big Tiger Woods fan. Who do I want to compete against? Steph Curry and Michael Jordan. So there you go. Yeah. It's January 2024. He's already knocking all these off. Wow. And he did play Augusta and shot a 90 playing from the tips. That's what he said. At Augusta? Yeah. What, what handicap is he? Uh, I, w- I, w- no, I don't even need that. I, w- I wouldn't believe it. What is he, Aaron Rodgers? He's not lying about that. I believe that he shot a 90. I think, he, if I, he hits the ball 360 yards, yeah. I mean, he's getting the benefit of that. I think he said, I think he last said he was a 9 handicap. Okay. He really, I mean, like... The sp- <laughs> Buffalo sports in the spring has become, where is Josh golfing this weekend, right? I mean, he's at, what is that, the Genesis this weekend that he yeah. that he's at? I saw that picture yesterday, and I saw after the fact that it, it was, a that I guess it was a pro-am, you know, the day before the tournament. But I saw that picture and thought, Josh just showing up at these places, and he's, they're just letting him golf, right? Like, he's just, he's going to show up at the Genesis. He's going to show up in a couple weeks at the Players on Tuesday and be like, hey, you guys mind if I play with, uh, with, uh, with who? Jason Day? I'm just going to play with Jason Day today. Yeah. You guys mind? Like, he could probably just show up at these, these courses and just get on. Maybe they made it a pro am because, hey, guys, Josh Allen is here. What do we do? Put him with Tiger, call it a pro am. There doesn't need to be anybody else here. Yeah. Well, we'll keep watching, and uh, we'll talk with Brian Koziel coming up bottom of the hour to talk about this Genesis Invitational, which is uh, the I, I didn't know it was a pro am. I have to confess, I yeah, I, mean, I, I don't remember that part of it. So here it is. Maybe it's less of a pro am than Pebble Beach, but whatever. Tiger is going to play. It's a big event. It's an elevated event, and Tiger's in it. Tiger thinks he can play once a month, so that's kind of cool. You know, keeping an eye on that, and uh, we'll talk to Brian Koziel coming up at the bottom of the hour. Also coming up today. Matt Perino is going to join us. 7 o'clock this morning, Matt Perino, co-host of the Shout Podcast with uh, Ryan Talbot. He, of course, uh, also of Syracuse.com. He did a roundtable. He's on with uh, Joe Biscaglia and Sal and John Scott. And they posted a clip. And the clip was 
of a prediction Matt was making about the Bills that he hates. <laughs> and that's mm. that they take a defensive end in the first round and wait on receiver. So I sent him a message. I'm like, let's talk about this. Because I also mm. think that's very, very possible. I wouldn't dispute it. I wouldn't even really necessarily dispute the merits of why they would do it. I would understand you know, why people might be mad. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Like We've got months to get there. But that led me to Joe posting this as a Twitter poll. Two options. There are two options in this Twitter poll. You cannot write in and say, I'd like a third option. I'm a waiter standing in front of you saying, would you like the steak or the fish? And there's nothing else in the kitchen, folks. Mm. Pick one of these two. So the options are, which do you prefer of the Bills as a strategy? Use the second round pick to trade up in the first. From 28 to about mm, 17, that's about the value. You get 17. Okay. So use a second to trade up in the first and draft a receiver. Or wait, target defense in the first round at 28 and get a receiver in the second round. So the net result is, what do you want? You want a better receiver that's up 12 spots or secure one that you really have to have. Or... The best defensive player that falls to you and a second-round wide receiver that falls to you, whoever that might be. One of these plans would be viewed as aggressive. Mm. The other, of course, would come out with a second-round pick that the first plan does not because you trade it away. So what do you prefer? Trade up with a second, higher into the first, or hold steady and go defense first and then receiver? You can vote A or B at our Twitter poll. It's at my Twitter page, at JeremyWGR. I'm going to have a tough time being knocked off of A for this. The idea of waiting. like I, I'm trying to figure out like what's the alternative on the defensive line if they were to do that trade. Because you have two third-round picks, I guess, and then you get your third D or day three picks. And you could try to address it there. It's going to be tough because you've got, you got, you got snaps to fill in on the defensive line. But the idea of waiting until the end of round two... two. To get my receiver is just a very precarious situation. I think you are really playing with fire there. You might get a guy, but I mean, you could get a guy. I'm sure. You like, definitely maybe, would. even if it's a guy with a third round grade, like whatever, they'll get a guy. But I, I'm just thinking, will they get to us? I'm afraid they would get to a spot in round two where, well, there's nobody we like. There's no receiver we have with the but, grade we want because all there's been 13 receivers that are now you, off the board. Don't worry about it. The poll is just they're going to get they're a receiver. Go, they're going to take the they're receiver take no matter the what. Receiver. We don't see their board. They take the receiver and they rave about how much they love them. I think I still want to trade up into round one. I need I need to I need my probability to be as high as possible that that guy is going to be legit. And I think. If I if I draft that guy at the end of the second round, I mean maybe I can sell myself and they can sell everybody on in their own team on this guy's going to be the number two receiver, the Gabe Davis fill in. He's going to play right away. But you trade up into round one. I'm not. I'm thinking maybe more about this guy being the Diggs replacement that you need for the future more than just the guy that's going to fill in right away. I mean, what am I? I'm trying to be the Bengals, right? With with Chase and Higgins and Boyd. I'm trying to be the Dolphins with their combo. The Eagles. These teams take big swings. The Eagles traded up for Devontae Smith. The Dolphins went all out to get Tyreek Hill. Like sometimes you got to make the big investment. I think to have a great receiver duo like that. So 
I, I'd be okay. If they spent their second-round pick and paid that premium to ensure they're going to get the best guy that they think they can get their hands on, I would respect the hell out of it. Well, the first part of this is the value chart. So the reason I, I mention it as the option, you're, mo- you're moving from 28 to 17, is because that's what a second-round pick will get you, is to about 17. On the value chart, you'd need 960 points. 17 is 950. Sometimes it moves a little bit. Maybe a team doesn't like where they are, and you can get a bargain and get higher than that with 960 points. Maybe two teams use a different value chart, blah, blah, blah. I, it, it is a tough one. The reason I posed it with two options is to make it a little tougher. Don't write in with C. I prefer this. <laughs> we all know. C, play, take the best player on the board. Right. C, Just, take on. a receiver here and then a receiver. No, no, no. These are your options. Which of these two strikes you as a better idea? doesn't mean it has to be your best idea. doesn't mean it has to be your plan on draft night. It's, you know, it's February 15th, but which, which do you want to do? As much as you just laid that all out, given the Bills' situation, I'm going to be in a real tough spot about trading up at all. I don't think they should trade up at all, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. They've done it a lot. Bean always moves up a spot or two, right? He moved up two spots for Kincaid and paid a fourth-round pick yeah. for Kincaid. And you might accurately point out, well, if you didn't, the Cowboys would get Dalton Kincaid. Like, okay, would the Bills have moved next to Sam Laporta? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not saying you'd yeah. rather have Laporta. You're happy with Kincaid. Fine. But he's moved up for four of his six first-round picks. Yeah, he, he moves up yeah. all the time. Yeah, He loves to move up two spots, one spot, three spots. Of course, they moved up for Allen. I don't want to give up a future first. These trade value charts don't often show you what a future first is worth. This one I have does not show that. What is it, Joe? Is it is it five hundred points? It's gotta be higher than a it's gotta be a thousand in that neighborhood. Yeah. If it's if it's a thousand points, then a future first can get you to number six. Someday we'll put a mm-hmm. poll up here and say, What do you like better? <laughs> Waiting at twenty eight or trading next year's first and getting Malik neighbors? Mm-hmm. Sixth. That sounds like a fun it's, idea. It, I mean, hey, it's a it's, fun idea. I don't it's, know if it's a it's, smart one, but I like it. It's tough not to get wrapped up in, ooh, look at us being aggressive. What would it say if they drafted a receiver in that spot? And just, you know, it's kind of, it, it's a couple months away still. We got lots of time to dig into this. Mm-hmm. But, boy, trading up. What is, if we're looking at the answers to their cap problem, in finger quotes, the fastest way to get out of their cap trouble is, of course, to stop signing big money contracts, don't have a bunch of dead cap, and just get a bunch of rookie deals. Rookie deals will fix your cap. That's how you do it. Yeah, It's the number one way to do it. It's like a zero on a test bringing your average down unbelievably. That's what these rookie deals are. Rookie deals are zeros. They're already locked in. You know the price, and your cap is going to be compliant quickly if you get a lot of rookie deals. So to me... I need as many of those as possible. Now, technically, if I trade away a second-round pick, I'll now have a deal that's a UDFA instead of that second. Mm. But I'm going to have a tough time justifying moving up. There'll, there'll be a lot of comparisons in the next two months, I'm sure, to the Sammy Watkins trade where mm-hmm. you had Evans and Beckham and all these receivers that went and you moved up for Watkins and traded an extra first. And you might have had, what, the worst receiver in that draft? I mean... Whatever. His well, car- of the first round, I mean, you had Brandon Cooks later right. too. His, right? like, his career didn't pan out. He had a lot right. of talent. His career didn't pan out. But it's be- and also all the guys that went like immediately after him have like really st- are still going right. 
Evans, Beckham, and Cooks were like I think the next three, and they're all still going to different degrees of success. Yep. But like Watkins was fine, but you wanted what did you want? You wanted him to be elite, all pro. You wanted him to be a number one wide receiver for ten years if you're making an investment like that. Yep. Which, if I trade up, I mean, it's not that in that I'm trading a first, oh, future first for this hypothetical. But if I'm trading my second round pick and I'm going into the mid first round to get this guy, I need that guy to be my Diggs replacement. I need him to develop into that level of player. I don't know if I need him to be as good as Diggs, but I need this guy to be he's starting day one, no matter what. He's that good, and he's my best idea. Is the heavy favorite to be okay? He's also going to be the number one when Diggs is 35 years old. Sure, he can be. Can I say Lee Evans? Sure. I mean, Lee when, Evans was when, a, Molds was still here when Evans got here. Yeah, right. Evans was a number one ish. I mean, he was not elite, but he was a good receiver that you could trust out there. I'm trying to think of other receivers in Bill's history you would have trusted in this spot, but you know, Evans is good. Evans, there are a lot, there's some fans probably that thought he would have been a lot better with a real that's, quarterback. That's too. probably right. Yeah. Stevie Johnson is another one I think about here. Like we could argue about whether or not Stevie Johnson was a true number one receiver, but he was very good. He had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons in this offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, by the way, one little postscript to the Sammy Watkins trade that I think people forget Mm -hmm. too often is they traded up to to get Sammy and then Mm -hmm. immediately got rid of Stevie. Right. Wait, they cut him or was Stevie already gone? They they traded him. They They traded him away. Okay. They got rid of Stevie the next day or whatever, that weekend. He He was sent to the Chargers or the Niners, wherever he was sent. Stevie Johnson was cut loose, sent off by Doug Marone. Hmm. And, like, wouldn't you have wondered, hey, this is the reason I remember this and I think about this is because I saw one Bills Live posted a question earlier in the week. What's your dream scenario for the Bills? And a guy wrote in and said, trade Diggs and draft a number one receiver in the first round. Hmm. And I remember it immediately reminded me of the the Sammy Watkins thing, which is, oh, great, you've drafted another receiver to go with Stevie. This looks awesome. Oh, we're trading Stevie. Don't yeah. don't pick one up and then send one out. Don't draft Brian Thomas Jr. and then get rid of Diggs. That's the that's the wrong move. Right. Have them both. That's the idea. You're giving give me some overlap between the Absolutely. two. Absolutely give me uh, overlap where the two of them are good. Yeah. And I'm always at least going to have two. Another good comparison, if we go a little bit further back, if we want to stick with the Bills here, after Andre Reed's age 31 season, they drafted Eric Moulds in the first round. And the two played together for like four seasons. Reed wasn't putting up 1,000 yards and 100 catches, uh, 90 catches, like he was in his late 20s. But you had four years there of Moulds and Reed on the same team. They drafted Moulds about when Reed was the same age that Stephon Diggs is right now. And Diggs has four years left in his contract. That's what you want, right? Yep. yep. You want Mold was Molds as good as Andre Reed? Probably not. Reed's a Hall of Famer. Molds isn't. I mean, you might have I mean, a lot, you might have Bills fans saying that Molds was better. Maybe as maybe a player, athletically and like talent, he was all there. Are, but who, who's ready to? Add, I mean, be fun. who wouldn't take that? Right? Like, sure, sure. Having those two, yeah. Who would not take that? That's what you. That's what you want. So. That's that. That's what's selling me though on the idea of trading up. Moltz, to be fair though, was the twenty fourth overall pick. They didn't have to go that high in that first round way back when to get him. So, I, if I'm if I'm moving up though, I feel like they've got real strong conviction. We're not playing around. We're we're not waiting around again to see if we get a guy that we like. We we know this position is a huge need, and it would also tell me they think they can patchwork it on the defensive line because. 
that might not be the greatest idea. You might not think they'll be that stout at that unit, but like we'll see what they do in a month. If they bring Daquan Jones back on a smaller deal because he's 33 and probably not going to get a massive contract somewhere else, and they can get Leonard Floyd back on a one-year contract, and you know you draft, you have two third-round picks. We're gonna we're gonna add a rookie or two in the mid-first round. We're gonna bring back these couple of veterans. So there's a future investment to be had still at this position, but we've we've made the investment at that position. We've done it over and over. We at least have Rousseau to show for it right now. And receiver, we're getting we're getting up against it. We need to be aggressive. If they came out of that draft acting like that and ended up with, you know, Malik Neighbors is too high for this. If they ended up going and getting their guy in the mid first round, if it's Brian Thomas, whoever it ends up being, then I'm gonna f- I'm gonna be pretty happy with that. Over, I, mean, I think might need a little bit of a sales pitch if they draft a receiver at 58 and say this is the guy. I'll think okay, optimistic that can work, but now I'm gonna start looking through second round receiver history and like try to figure out like how likely is it that this guy's gonna be really good. I mean, I'm going to like the chances. This guy's really good at 28. Or at... What, I mean, about, well, what about at 58? I, I'm going to like the chances. I mean, the second round picks, when we look at those guys, is 58 the number? I should get the number like committed to memory here. It is 60. 60. 28th okay. or 60th, that makes sense, at 32. What are the chances the 60th pick in the draft is a great receiver? I mean, not as good as 28, not as good as 3, but... The Bills do have the built-in advantage of plucking a guy into an offense that has an awesome quarterback and mm-hmm. and a receiver to take away a lot of attention from him. Like that's that's ideal is having that. 8030550 our phone number 1888552550 to join us. So, got the poll up. We'll talk to Matt Perino about it. We're going to get to know of course over the course of the next however many months, 2 months, defensive prospects that might be there at 28. That would be worth the defensive line pick or the safety pick if anybody's there. Although I've heard plenty say that the safety class maybe is not the best in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. Also, clarification from Nick: it's not a pro am to di- or Wednesday's the pro am round. Then it becomes a regular tournament. Okay, gotcha. thank you. I was just increasing I'm- my theory that Allen just showed up and they decided, guys, we got to call this a pro am, <laughs> so he's allowed to just call the tiger. Josh Allen's here. All right, uh, who qu- invited him? <laughs> All right, put him out there. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Josh's game is, is considering the, what he you know he does for a living and the, the pounding that he he takes on his body, uh, the fact that he's been able to, to play this game, and you can see the enjoyment that he has, the addiction that he has for, for the game of golf. He asks unbelievable questions today about how he can get better that only athletes really can you know ask those type of questions and that's what's neat about being able to play with with athletes see how their 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 brain works we're very similar across the board whether we're playing you know football or golf or or baseball how we look at things are are very consistent tiger woods on playing yesterday with josh allen genesis invitational gets started today brian cozio joins us on the western hotline brian what's more amazing playing with tiger woods or being able to Ask him questions about your game. That's another part of this here. Like, here's Tiger saying he he kind of appreciates the questions that Josh asked. If any one of us got the chance to play with Tiger Woods, I would never dream of like, what do you what do you think of my backswing here? What do you think of my takeaway? How's my how's my lead? How's my trail arm on this? But uh, pretty cool, pretty cool to see the Bills quarterback out there and uh, you know the, the news that came through it. 
Oh, for sure. My goodness. I mean, how <laughs> you're, you're playing with, with one of the most accomplished athletes ever. And, you know, in terms of golf, the, maybe the player that's had the most impact on the game ever. And yeah, he, because we know Alan is also obsessed with getting better at golf, as he said, uh, to be able to pick his brain, uh, I thought was pretty cool. I don't know how I would start if I was playing around with Tiger. Like, would I get right into my swing? Would I want to ask him about certain tournaments? Would I like? I don't even know what. How do? You, how does like the conversation start going when you're walking down the first and second hole and things like that? Aren't you? Uh, I feel like one of the easy things. Like, how you feeling? Right? You're asking him. Yeah. He's because Tiger's going to try and play what one one tournament a month. Is that his new his new plan right now? Yeah, that's his new plan. I mean, he's the host. He's the normal host for this tournament, this Genesis Invitational. So this kind of was always the spot that we thought maybe that he would return. Um, and then next month in March, we're thinking the Players Championship, and then of course the Masters in April. And uh, but initially, yes, that was what he said um, about a month or so ago that he was looking to kind of do one tournament a month, and of course that means playing in the majors as well. Very cool. I would have the worst golf round of my life if I was playing Tiger Woods. I, I think would it be the best round of your life or the worst round? Of your I life? mean, performance wise, who knows? I mean, the, the pressure you'd feel. I mean, the night before, I feel like I wouldn't sleep because if I knew, like, I'm playing with Tiger tomorrow, like I got to be on my game. I would. It would be like the night before the Super Bowl. I feel like for an average golfer, I think that I think it would be definitely a an intimidating thing to do for sure. I mean. You know, for all of us that have played at any sport at any level, there's obviously times when you felt nervous. But I feel like certain sports, uh, you know, maybe the bad shot or whatever. I don't know. You know, you're playing basketball against somebody great or what. I guess you could shoot an air ball. Or In golf, I feel like the difference between you're good and you're bad is about the biggest uh, spread that there is. I mean, look at Tom Brady right on that one hole at uh, Pebble Beach. Like, I feel like golf – the uh, a bad shot is still a bad shot. If I'm playing catch with football with Josh Allen, like me throwing the football, like I'm not going to throw it one foot straight down. Like we're <laughs> in golf, like you can duff it and look really bad really fast. Brian Koziel, one of our hosts of Tee to Green, of course, Saber Spring Post as well. All right, Brian. So this tournament last year, John Rahm won it, and it is an invitational. It's uh, you know, it's been an event that I think people have started to kind of gain. It's gained attention, but this year's player field not quite last year's player field. Yeah, it's. I mean, you take Rahm off the the leaderboard in any one of these tournaments, and I think overall, I mean that that's a huge blow and. And Rom has had some interesting weeks uh, since he's kind of appeared on the Live Tour. The first week he plays, he misses a putt on the final hole to get himself into a playoff, and he's so mad about it. But the, the Live reporter asked him about the team win, and he seemed pissed about the team. Uh, then the following – about the team aspect of it, that that's what he was asked about. Uh, then last week, he really, really made some comments saying that, uh, you know, he was really kind of upset that he wasn't going to be at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix because he said he loves that event. And all these California courses, he's missed like Torrey Pines. And obviously this week at Riviera, he said, like, look, I'm, I'm going to be really missing that. I'm like, geez, he's been on the Live Tour uh, for one event. And he said he's getting emotional about it. So I don't know if, you know, John Rahm maybe ultimately feel like he made the right decision. I'm sure his bankroll uh, will argue with that. But uh, nevertheless, Yes, there are some, some still some big names playing. Uh, Tiger is going to get to play with Justin Thomas and Gary Woodland today. Um, if you do want to watch that, it's twelve twenty-five Eastern Time, nine twenty-five in California. 
Uh, ESPN Plus has it at 10.30 in the morning, so even before Tiger tees off and then Golf Channel later today. But uh, um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, on, on Tiger, you know, he's got his new clothing line and logo, and one of the things about the logo is has got 15 stripes for his 15 majors. And one of the takeaways, Brian, is that to make a logo with that number, it's kind of a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke that, well, he knows he's not going to win another major because if he does, he'd have to change the logo. It's 15 stripes for 15 hmm. majors. But, but I wonder about that. How he's talked about his own expectations now, because of course, like I'm sure the golf world would love to see him win anything again, whether it's a major or just a regular tournament. What are Tiger's expectations for himself right now? He has he has said in the last year or two or three that he won't play unless he thinks he can win. Is that still the mindset for him? You know, I thought yes for sure, but yesterday he said something that maybe I think would maybe change that a little. He said something along the lines of paraphrasing here like that I love golf and I, I want to play it as long as I possibly can and I'm sure that perked the ears of those that run the champions tour thinking ooh man he could end up playing here like we always thought maybe because of just his body and that physically he had such limitations that he might not find the champions tour attractive enough to maybe go ahead and play it uh, he didn't ultimately come out and say I'm playing the champions tour yesterday but kind of gave that look of like I'm going to try to you know I love this I can't I love playing I'm going to play as play golf as long as I can I don't know maybe that gave the indication that he would be open to playing that when he's eligible when he turns 50 um, in terms of you know this week what's realistic expectations he knows this course just as well as anybody this is where he made his professional debut uh, on the PGA Tour here so the event itself as you said it's a little more limited of a field because it's an invitational 70 players is the number that were invited and 50 you're going to get to play the weekend I think for Tiger, a realistic goal is to make the cut and you know be in that 50 of the 70 and get himself to playing what a full four-round tournament to shake off any more rust that he's got, get himself into more competitive golf like he always says, so that when he comes back to play here in a few weeks from now in May or in, um, in March, uh, that he's got some more rounds in. So I think that's a realistic goal for him. You know, in terms of the rest of the year, you know, I, I think at Augusta you can always say, well, if he gets off to a good start, he's got a chance to win there because he plays as well as anybody at that course when he's healthy. The other majors, oh, I, I feel like at this point, uh, you'd have to have a lot of things line up for him to maybe you know, be in contention going into a Sunday on a major. Do you think part of what is keeping him active here, even if he thinks uh, deep down maybe, Brian, that he doesn't have it in him to win a lot of these tournaments anymore, that like you hear him every time he talks now talk about the business end, of the PGA Tour, I wonder if he just kind of recognizes how important it is for him to be present on the PGA Tour if if it's going to remain, you know, sustainable over, you know, years and years. Yeah, I agree. I think he's really taken it to heart that the PGA Tour obviously has gone through some struggles here over the last two years with the emergence of Liv, and he has really been a strong voice. Now, he hasn't talked in terms of quantity a lot about it, but when he has spoken about it he has gone into quite good detail he's talked about his leadership aspect of it the conversations he has with players in terms of advice of how they can keep the pga tour going and you know i think for him uh as an ambassador of the game obviously we know he's it's the strongest brand in the world so i think he also feels like at this age that there is some of this value in giving back and that is even though maybe he can't have an impact swinging the golf club every single week uh, maybe like he did during the prime of his career, he still can have a major impact just by showing up and just by saying a few things here and there in support 
of the PGA Tour. And, you know, anytime he tees it up, I mean, he's going to have the attention for sure. I mean, even even there, you know, there are monster names playing this week. Scotty Scheffler, number one in the world, is playing. Rory McIlroy, you know, as big as anybody playing. But Tiger's playing, so he's going to be the story this week. So he still does have a major impact, even though maybe his chances of winning are still maybe not at that level. Brian Koziel joining us on the Western Hotline. Tita Green returns the 24th, so we're getting to it. Next Saturday, you guys are uh, back in action live. I know you guys have been recording the show and posting it, though, as we uh, get closer and closer to golf season. Yeah, we've been doing weekly podcasts on Mondays, so you can usually look for that on Monday nights uh, on our social media handles on Tita Green. Um, but, yeah, our first live show on WGR is back next Saturday. Uh, and we'll be starting our year at the Golf Dojo inside uh, one of the simulator places across western New York. So uh, we're looking forward to be back, yeah, every Saturday next week uh, through Labor Day weekend, uh, 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Very good, very good. I've got a, I'm have got. i playing in a scramble on Saturday. How about that? Scramble. Yeah. Simulator scramble. Simulator scramble. Nice. Yeah. Excited for that it. That is the ultimate hit it out of your shoes, right? <laughs> I mean, in the sim, yeah. we all tend to do that a little more anyway, but... You know, now that you're in a scramble format and you're in a sim, like, just rip away. Yeah, and you don't actually lose the ball. You know, that's that's a hidden benefit there. Like, oh, that's that that's, that's, that's 200 yards into the woods. All right, I didn't lose it. It's going to come back digitally. Thanks, Brian. Okay, guys, enjoy your scramble. And enjoy tonight Sam Reinhart's return as well. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Brian Koziel, who's got uh, Sabres postgame intermission as well as the Sabres welcome the Panthers. And again, Tita Green back. On the 24th. When we return, and a little more throughout the morning, the Bills have announced ticket prices, or an increase in ticket price for the 2024 season uh, at the current stadium. Some more information on the new stadium. Some numbers coming out. You can see a piece up at our website, WGR550.com, about covered seating. You know, some of the numbers are starting to kind of lock in. And timelines as well for when you and I and anybody else out there might get a chance to go to the stadium experience where you will get a virtual reality look, not just the one that I'm complaining isn't on Twitter, but you know isn't sent out the Bills website. Not like a, dr- a drone fly through, but a real experience where you're going to go to the Bills Stadium Experience store and get an idea of what the new stadium experience will be like. So, starting to get information on that. Some of that's at our website. We'll also tackle that with you here uh, on our airwaves throughout the morning. Jeremy and Joe Matt Perino joins us for some Bills draft chatter coming up at seven o'clock. It is WGR. Got a stat of the day for you. Fun one. Stat of the day. Brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving. Home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Stat of the day comes from uh, this day in history also. On this day in 1996, the Browns fired Bill Belichick. Nice. His career record with the Browns was 36 and 44. He was mm. fired 1996. And the stat as they it, moved to Baltimore, right? Mm, not right away. Didn't he get fired right at the end? They moved to 99. Oh, maybe you're right. Anyway. I thought there's a documentary on that where I thought Belichick got fired right before they went to Baltimore, but regardless. Well, yeah. His uh November 6, 1995 announced the team had signed a deal to move. They, so they were going to move in November. Yeah. So during that his last year, they knew. Because there's a game, the final game of that season, which I guess would be his final coach's Browns coach, 
this documentary I remember watching, maybe it was a 30 for 30 even, like the fans are crying as yeah. like the, the players are like leaving the field. So Belichick gets fired. His career record with the Browns is 36 and 44. That is a below 500 win percentage. Yep. And your stat of the day is that former Bills head coach Greg Williams had a higher win percentage as coach of the Browns than Bill Belichick. Nice. He was 5 and 3 as an interim coach. Oh, it was only eight games. It was, it was only eight games. <laughs> it's still, Inter- take it. Interim coach of the Browns, Greg Williams, a better win percentage with the Browns than Bill Belichick. That is so good. Yep. I thought I saw yesterday someone was making the... You're, you're seeing more Mahomes-Brady for this, but someone was trying to make the, the Andy Reid is a better coach all time than sure. Bill Belichick sure. case. And I'll try to find what the exact number was, but basically it was seasons below 500. And Belichick like has triple the amount that Reed does. It might be like six to two. Like it's not like it's you know yeah. eighteen to six. But uh, that Reed's had like two bad seasons in twenty years coaching, and Belichick's got I mean right there with the Browns. I mean he's got four or five with the Browns, and then he's had a couple recently with New England. Well, we're in for a lifetime of that. It's not going to stop anytime soon. The no Reed and Belichick and the Brady Mahomes. I saw Dan Orlovsky say something about Mahomes, which I liked, and not enough people just say it the way that Orlovsky said, which is this. Who's the better quarterback? Not greater. Greater is exhausting. We're yeah. not going to do greater. Oh, uh, look at the greatness. Who? Who's Who's better? Orlovsky, Orlovsky said yesterday Mahomes is the best quarterback he's ever seen. Who's better? Mahomes. Who's better? I feel like it's almost easy if... If you ask that question, yeah, right? there's a there's a galaxy super draft where you can get every player in their prime. Who goes first in that draft, Mahomes or Brady? It's Mahomes, right? Yes, like well, because then I want to start breaking down like like look at the plays Mahomes makes, look at the athleticism, look at the arm talent, look at the arm strength. You know, like what Brady's great, but. Better, yeah, like Mahomes, Mahomes, man, Mahomes better. I, mean, I I think I would agree with that. I think he's the best I've ever seen. Wasn't Manning better? Not greater, but better. There's plenty to indicate that Peyton Manning was a better quarterback. Maybe it might be close for me between those two. I don't know. Am I? Am I just? Do I? Do I overvalue the athletic part of it too much? Feel like I want when I think better, I want the guy to be like a really good athlete. Yeah, that's today's game. Yeah, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. We'll chat about the Bills' draft options and receivers, defensive line, all of it with Matt Perino. He's coming up next, co-host of the Shout Podcast and uh, writes for Syracuse dot com. Saw a video yesterday where Matt was laying out his prediction for what the Bills will do, and he said, "Here's what I think they'll do," and I hate it. So we'll get his breakdown, bold prediction, and talk about some of the options the Bills might have heading forward. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 as we uh, cruise through a Thursday. Happy Thursday. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It wasn't me mad at Coach Reed as, as it looks. It was the frustration of our team not having success, turning the ball over, and me being... On the sideline. Just on not the sideline... Damn it. It was pleading with your head coach to let you go out there and win this mother****. That's what it was. Me and you both know what it was. Andy knows what you mean to him and what he means to you. From the New Heights Podcast, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey on the sideline incident. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Bill's releasing some new season ticket price information. There'll be an increase in season ticket prices. The headline at the website, at our website, is... Um, you know, new ticket packaging, new stadium seating information. Brayton Wilson has something up at WBEN and WGR550.com. That uh, eight regular season and two preseason games. Package price will increase by an average of 10%. The incre- increase is impacted due to the package increasing from nine games in Orchard Park to 10 games in 2024. All right. So there you go. We're back to 10 games. They're not losing a game to London. That's a part of it. Uh, but there will be a price increase over the last two seasons. The Bills' season ticket base has been over 60000 They expect the number to push to 64000 this upcoming season. One of the other things I find interesting is the 97% renewal rate. This, is, yeah. this yeah. would be the Josh Allen effect. Mm-hmm. Hey, this guy's on your team. People are keeping their tickets. So there's information on our website. You want to check out that full article. Also, finding out along the way some of the timeline for the new stadium stuff in the next month or month plus. Mm -hmm. That process will get started. And from what we understand, the process of going through your next tickets in that new one that they're building will be a lengthy process. Because you've got to get, what, 60,000 people in. Look, here's what it is. What do you want? Rather than the two club options that they have right now, Mm -hmm. there will be five club options. Now, maybe you're not in a club, and you're going to go into a club. Or maybe you're in the club seats, and you've got to pick which of the five different options you're going to go for. So a lengthy process, but um, news on that coming out in the coming weeks and some more information at our website at wgr 550 Dot com. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Happy Thursday. Joining us on the Western Hotline to chat a little Bills, draft, offseason, all that good stuff, our friend Matt Perino, co-host of the Shout Podcast with Brian Talbot and uh, of Syracuse.com. Matt, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you enjoying the, uh, I mean, offseason, right? Does it ever really, does it ever really get to an offseason? We're, we're a few days removed from the Super Bowl. So, how are you feeling about the Bills offseason? It's going to be a challenging one, I feel like, is the uh, the general consensus. It is, and I guess like it's going to be a little bit more fun for people that like like doing puzzles because I feel like that's what Brandon Bean is. Uh, he's going to have to be a puzzle uh, finisher this off season, trying to figure out like all these different pieces. Um, you know, twenty free agents. You know, you mentioned earlier in the show about this podcast that I did with John Scott and Joe B and and Sal, and you know, we were talking about all the different. Um, 
things that are coming up in the off season. And for me, the biggest like sticking point is what do you do with all these guys that are free agents now? There's 20 of them. And I think I can only make an, a real strong argument for maybe three of them that you have to have back. And even then I'm kind of, you know, uh, I'm reaching a little bit. Do you think as we, as we lay that all out, just all the pieces they've got to fit and how challenging it will be, that any Bills fan should look at this season, or, or we asked this question yesterday, that Brandon Bean should look at this season like it's some sort of uh, down year, retooling year. I mean, l- labels can sometimes be difficult. We just watched the Chiefs talk about their last couple seasons as down years and retools, and of course they won the Super Bowl. So uh, does the Josh Allen, well, his existence, change the way the Bills should be approaching this? Because even if you're going to have a year like that, you know that you should be competitive and you should be a competitor. I don't think you're looking at it like this just because the pieces that are coming back are, are really that are under contract are, are pieces that are such uh, fixtures on what you do on both sides of the ball. And I, and I think like you mentioned Josh Allen and the offense, like this year it was the, the year of the defense that, you know, a lot of defensive plans for these um, high flying offenses you know, we're sound. And I think we're going to, we may not see the complete flip next year. We're, we're going to see an adjustment. I mean, offensive coordinators are going to get six or seven months to figure out new ways to do this. And, and I think Joe Brady, for as good as things got with him in that underneath stuff, the, the short and intermediate area passing game, the patience of their offense, I think there are, you know, ways you can expand on that and all while still trying to find uh, the explosive plays uh, and he's going to have the, the whole offseason do that. So I'm not sitting here thinking that even even though the Bills are going to you know lose some some players, that they're going to be all of a sudden you know looking at maybe. I still think that even with all the players that aren't coming back, I still think that I'd, I'd pick them to win the AFC East. And that's before anything happens in the draft or free agency or what I think is the most. I, the draft's the most important part, but I think more important than you know March 16th is that second wave of free agency that happens late in May, early June, like that is where Brandon Bean has to be super aggressive um, in terms of selling what the bills are doing here. And you have that salesman here in Von Miller, whether it's, um, you know, Leonard Floyd or some of the other pieces that he's tried to reach out to Odell Beckham was close a couple of years ago. Uh, you might have to go out and find a player like that, that you can kind of sell on coming here for less money. Uh, that's going to be an interesting part of the offseason, too. Do you, Matt Perino, joining us on the Western Hotline, do you give any percentage chance about a Diggs departure? Um, I, I'm, I'm always wary of, of giving it a, a 0% chance, but let, let me just put it at like a 1%. You know, you're not, you're not in the business, I think, if you're Brandon Bean, of getting rid of talent at that position and so no matter what the situation is I think the last couple of years have proven that the Bills can kind of weather any of the storms that come with and are just an organization better equipped to deal with any kind of uncertainty or unrest from players right like and I think once you get into the season it's like getting into the season that is sometimes the challenge once you get there I think Diggs is you know as bought in as anybody he was all last season and I think there was probably a level of frustration towards the end of, the, uh, of last season, and that's what you know we've seen over the last couple of weeks. But, again, I still think that 
some of his comments for the last couple of weeks have been a little bit overanalyzed. But then you see the Super Bowl, and you see this 49ers team with Brock Purdy. And I know he had a great season, but he's Brock Purdy. I mean, yeah. he's a seventh-round draft pick. You know, go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and lose in overtime. And that Brandon IU press conference after the fact, I mean, that is a much worse situation if I'm a fan of that team than anything that the Bills have had to deal Bills fans have had to deal with with Stefan Diggs is where a guy is just like going into free agency and openly saying like, Yeah, I'll come back if it's the move. Yeah. yeah. Well the thing about, you know, Diggs is I, I would I would almost encourage everyone to remember. Remember how loud it was last year in May, June, July, August, and then how quiet it all got for Diggs in September, October when he was putting up, you know, a thousand yards nearly. He had another hundred catch season. Now we're in the off season and the conversation gets loud again. You know, it's part of what I wonder about, Matt, is if, if Brandon Bean can just mute notifications, you know, just like mute words on Twitter and mute conversations on his phone. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. He'll be here when July comes around and we'll just throw him the ball a bunch. Right. And I think like your approach to the draft doesn't, doesn't change dependent on whether or not Diggs is here. That's another point that I I, I want to emphasize. Like, he's going to be here. Like, I I, I don't think there's going to any, there's anything that's going to happen. But you're going into this draft to find weapons regardless because it's this this draft's not only about 2024. It's about 25 and 26 too. Eventually, there's going to have to be a succession plan with Diggs. He's getting older, so you have to prioritize that position because you never have before. And you have to take your lessons that you've learned, like at cornerback, for instance, when you heard the noise every offseason, you've got to draft a cornerback. And then you just you missed the mark on Kyer Elam, and I'm not closing the door on that either. We've talked a bunch about him over the last couple of weeks. But that was a botched um, protocol in terms of how you acquire that player. You know, they let the Kansas City Chiefs come up and get Trent McDuffie, and they had to watch him in the Super Bowl, like star for them again this year. And so you can't let that happen. I think that's going to lead us into this conversation we're going to have this morning. You have to be all of a sudden spending hopefully the last four or five months, but now the next two months zeroing in and and leaving yourself as little room for error as possible to find the player that you're most confident about. You could take a couple of – you know, swings later in the draft, I think. But I think you've got to find the guy that you think could come in here and be the successor to Stefan Diggs and finding that any way that you can because it's different when you have Josh Allen. Like, you have Josh Allen in his prime. You have to kind of do a little bit extra to get that player, and you're also safeguarding against um, if Diggs does kind of fall off a cliff a little bit with production this come upcoming season and, and skill level, you have a little bit – of a buffer. Now, will they do it? That's a whole other yeah. question uh, and, and what we should probably get into. Yeah, right. So uh, we had John because, you know, watch that round table with you and Sal and Joe B and John Scott, and you guys are making bold predictions. And I liked how you said yours because you laid it out and you said, here's my bold prediction, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess in the end, I, I don't hate it because um, if you have to – I hate it for what it means for Bills fans, right? Like, because you're going into this offseason, like, looking at all of these exciting wide receivers, like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and you're like, all right, what's it going to take? Harrison's probably a little bit of a pipe dream. It would cost a little bit too much to get up into the top five. But, you know, we've seen in years past where wide receivers have kind of 
um, hung around a little bit longer sometimes than you might think, depending on what teams need, what teams need to add. A lot of these bad teams have been adding wide receivers over the last couple of years. But it's like, can you get into that zone? And then the, the, the next problem becomes, okay, once those top three go, which I think everybody is in agreement that that's the top tier, then there's like, you know, Brian Thomas is a, is a fun player. Uh, I think that he has a lot of upside. He reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson in the year that he went, was drafted, where maybe he's that, that next iteration. But Jefferson went at 22. And you could get up to 22, as we've seen in the last couple of years, pretty easily. But getting up to 15, 12, that's a little bit more costly. And maybe the Bills aren't on the Thomas train. Maybe they're on the neighbor's train. And they want to get – but he goes at eight. Can you get up to eight? And so I start to think about – what does this look like in terms of aggressiveness versus sacrificing all of this like draft capital that you built up that to, to your earlier point, Jeremy, is so important. You need, you need to, you know, bring in all of these rookie contracts to reset this salary cap for 25 and 26 and 27. And you need to continue to accumulate draft assets so you can do that. And, and I think there are needs on the defensive side of the ball, just in terms of the sheer number of players you're probably not bringing back and some of the players that have been a little bit disappointing. So I think the Bills should try to find that guy. But again, even when you, even if you do all the work and you, and you believe in your heart that that is the guy, there's always that little chance that it doesn't end up being the guy. And even Sammy Watkins, who I think when he was healthy was really good for them, you know, there's, you know, plenty of examples when you take a guy in the first round and it ends up being the guy in the middle of two guys that end up really exploding and being that guy. So it's a dance that Brandon Bean's going to have to, you know, participate in. It's, it's really challenging. And he's got to have some confidence. Like, what would your confidence level be that if they want to go down that road or explore it even, it's got to come with, well, we have these holes on the defensive line and at safety but we can be meticulous about it. We can hold serve, if you will. And I don't know, like, would would Sean McDermott like have this? You know, like, would he go to Bean or and give him the confidence of I can figure this out? Even if we don't invest all of this in safety, if we just bring Cam Lewis and Taylor Rapp back, you know, like we can still manage to have a, a fine defense. Right, and I think like there, there's probably going to be a version of. Hoyer and Hyde from 17, if you think back in this free aging class. Um, I haven't done the deep dive at that position. I've been spending most of my time at edge and wide receiver to start. But if you think about it, nobody was talking about Poyer and Hyde when they brought them here in 17, and they didn't give them crazy big deals at the time. I mean, they were pretty low-end free agent contracts, especially Jordan Poyer. So if they could find another avenue to bring in somebody that they can – kind of plug in at a two- or three-year deal with a really small first season, uh, and, and that's somebody that you can kind of place in, and maybe you consider bringing back Jordan Poyer. That's another conversation that I think has to be had uh, because of his age, although I still think that he was a valuable part of things. And if you're going to lose Micah Hyde, you should probably want to try to keep him. The problem is the number. Like, you know, adding $5 million in cap space in a year where it's so few and far between, I think that you, you really uh, like that option. Um, man, the, the the salary cap gymnastics; those are going to be the fun things to watch over the next couple of weeks as those kind of those reports start to trickle out to try to figure out how aggressive are they being because there's some you know levers that they can pull 
that are that are super aggressive. I mean, the Dawkins uh, extension, the Taron Johnson extension, th- that can potentially open up almost ten to eleven million dollars, and you know the Josh Allen uh, restructure, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I want to see what they do with AJ Epinesa. To me, he's like a huge part of your question because if he gets the free agency and it's not as uh, bustling of a market as maybe you know it could be because of his you know I don't want to say middle of the road but a little bit hot above average production over the last two years like maybe he goes out he wants nine ten million and teams are like we've seen this book we've seen this movie before we're not signing signing up for that and he ends up coming back to Buffalo on a two year one year deal at around three million per season all right you can handle that now all of a sudden defensive end isn't as much yeah. of a need because you need Rousseau to take a step and Unless they get out of this Von Miller mess, you, you figure he's going to be back as well. Yeah, Spotrick has Epinesa two years, five point six million. Per okay, year. it's just Spotrick, so it could be whatever. But and, you know, that, like, that's a part of this, Matt. As you as you laid out the, your one of your potential scenarios was they take a defensive end in the first round, and I, I just like to point out maybe part of the fun of this for fans is that none of this happens in a vacuum. If the Bills draft the defensive end in the first round, there's absolutely a reason to do that. But it will highlight a couple of things, whether fair or not. It would make a lot of fans, I think, react like McDermott runs the draft. Another defensive end for you. And he gets plenty of criticism for you know his coaching style or whatever. McDermott's got his detractors. So if they go defensive end, I feel like it would put an eye on McDermott. It would also highlight how much they've spent on that position and are still spending on it, whether that's money, draft capital. They keep pouring money and and investments into that spot. Another first-round pick, I feel like, you know, the, the Bills' job isn't to avoid criticism, but a defensive end pick, even if it's a good one and makes sense, would draw, I think, a lot of attention for the GM. 100%. And the, the interesting part about the defense and how Sean McDermott operates – it anyway is he leans on guys that aren't like high-end draft guys i mean look at the Kyrie elam situation i mean to for him to lose out on that job to a six-round draft pick a gritty really wants it you know undervalued uh underappreciated kind of guy like i feel like sean mcdermott really leans into those that style of player and now i think it's a little bit different on the defensive line because like you need horses like you need legit guys i think it's why at oliver they prioritized that position when they did back in 19 and drafted him but you you got to hit on it you can't have another boogie basham um even greg rousseau for as as high on him as i still am and i think that there's untapped potential as a pass rusher still still there um you know he hasn't been the, the sack producer or the pressure producer that i think people want from a first round draft pick so do you want to run that back again and also there's this wide receiver deal that's been building up that you've been alluding to on social media i'm sure on the show here over the last couple weeks it's like you look at the bills draft record under brandon bean and they have avoided first three rounds at wide receiver like the plague and i and i wonder if that's just it's never worked out it's they're not a, they're not confident in their evaluation of the position because it seems to be like such a crap I mean, go back to 2022. Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and uh, Traylon Burks. That's six wide receivers in the first six picks. Only three of those hit. So you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit on your evaluators 
that you are going to find the guy that hits. And I don't know if six go in this draft. Um, you know, I like Troy Franklin from Oregon. The more I watch him, the more I like it. Um, he could be gone at the Bills pick. He could last in the early in the second round. And then you could be in another interesting situation where maybe you don't get aggressive and trade up, but maybe you don't have to take the defensive player. Maybe you trade back a little bit, which is what I advocated for in 2022 to go and get George Pickens went at 52 to the Steelers. Could you imagine what this roster looks like right now with Pickens and Diggs, or maybe what it's looked like the last couple of years? Yeah. Those two guys? Matt Perino of Syracuse.com and co-host of the Shout Podcast with Ryan Talbot. Matt, thanks for the time as usual, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon as we uh, track this fascinating and very important offseason for the Bills. Great to talk to you guys. Take care. Matt Perino. He did that roundtable with Sal and John Scott and Joe B., uh, if you want to check that out, Matt was tweeting about it. That's how I found it. Found it there. 8030550. Okay. I want to follow up on that conversation when we get back. I also have a very, very interesting note from Toronto last night. So tonight, Sam Reinhart returns mm-hmm. with the Panthers. Former player comes back. He has before, but he like, has before. He has before. Yeah. And the Sabres did not do what the Toronto Raptors did last night for Pascal Siakam. Very important player on their championship team. They did a thing involving fans I've never seen anywhere before. Tell you what that is, and you can tell me if the Sabres should do it for Reinhardt tonight. Jeremy and Joe on WGR. I hate it for what it means for Bills fans. Because you're going into this offseason, like, looking at all of these exciting wide receivers, like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors, and you're like, all right, what's it going to take? Harrison's probably a little bit of a pipe dream. It would cost a little bit too much to get up into the top five. But, you know, we've seen in years past where wide receivers have kind of hung around a little bit longer sometimes than you might think, depending on what teams need, what teams need to add. A lot of these bad teams have been adding wide receivers over the last couple of years. Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, co-host of the Shout Podcast, last segment talking about the Bills draft. And on this, we've got something at Twitter. You can vote in our Twitter poll, which is which of these two options do you like more? The only thing I might have disagreed a little bit with Matt on was when he said the 2022 class was only three out of six. How do you think of that class right now? That's that's London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jameson Williams, Jahan Dotson, and, and uh, Traylon Burks. I'm going to give it four and a half out of six. Dotson's good. Uh, that's where he's in an offense that he's not exactly featured. Yeah, and then Williams, and then, I feel like we just don't know yet. Yeah, when he's touched the ball, he's been very good. He doesn't touch the ball much. But London, yeah. Wilson, Alave are all great. Burke, all... Burks is probably not going to work. No. Which, that was the one you could have seen coming, right? Because didn't he have like really bad separation? separation the story on Burks was, big guy, doesn't separate. That's, that's yeah. not unusual. Is that Quentin Johnston? Is yeah. that Keon Coleman? They all, I feel like I'm hearing the same thing about yeah. Keon Coleman that we heard about those two. A little bit. We'll see. Yeah. So at, the, at Twitter, you can vote. What do you like better? Using a second rounder to trade up to go from 28 to maybe 17, mm-hmm. or holding steady, go defense in the first round and receiver in the second round. Are there other options? Yes, folks. <laughs> More than just these two. I kind of wanted to get a pulse on how people would feel about trading your second to move up. And right now, 54% would trade the second to move up into like the 17 neighborhood. You know, it's a good poll when you got 54 or 46. Yeah, not bad. Two sides. We'll do a lot of different wide receiver ideas throughout this. One of them is, you know, what's the value if they traded there first? How high could they get? And uh, let's right. just 
just very roughly, the Bills' first-round pick, let's say it's about the same, 28th. If you're trading with the Bills and the Bills say, we'll give you next year's first, you're counting on that being a la- the, one of the last six picks of the first round. Yeah. Last eight picks at at worst. Yep. That could get you to about seven or eight. The Bills could move to seventh. Would you trade a first rounder next year to pick seventh? If you do that, you could get yeah. probably a Dunze, maybe Malik Neighbors. You could get up there. Now that's that's a conversation for another day because yeah. this is one where you know, we do our weekly chats with Joe Marino from the Locked On Bills and Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. This is where, Joe, I need someone to come in and tell me that it's important to eat your vegetables. Because I would be like, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I know I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to get a defensive lineman mm-hmm. and a receiver instead of trading next year's first for the receiver that I like the most. You're right to bring up with Matt. Like The, po- the point about the defensive line is it- it's tough because... They don't have anybody under contract, and they only have a couple of difference makers you can count on for next year. If they do that, if they sit there and do B, which is draft defensive line in the first round, and they'll they'll get their receiver in round two, it is going to highlight. And this might not this might not say anything about the pick itself. It will highlight their missteps. Yes, that they have been desperate, obsessed with making that unit a top unit in the league. And it'll be a reminder of, you went into this draft with two guys. How much money, how many picks have you invested at that position? Defensive end. And with defensive end, I mean, really defensive line in general, if you yep. want to just add Ed Oliver into that mix. But I would even you just... you got a four-man unit, and there's two guys you, you, you have going into next year right now. I would just focus on defensive end over defensive line, and, okay. here, and here's why. <laughs> here's the other part of it. We've, we've done this a million times. How many snaps does your defensive end play? Well, with the Bills, it's not as much. It's like, what, 50%, 60%? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, a half it's starting It's another first-round pick for a half a starting job. How many snaps will your wide receiver play? If he replaces Gabe Davis, the answer is 90. Yeah, he's on the field 95? Yeah. Well, so, if, you, if we make it just end, it's really only one guy. It's Rousseau. Vaughn is not... You can't count on him for next year. He's going to be on the roster, and maybe he's more productive than what he was this year. But it's that in Kingsley Jonathan. That's an important position that they've invested a ton in. And at this moment, there is one guy you know is ready to play for you next year. And it's one of the reasons that we're constantly here at the wide receiver train. Maybe it's your first year on the train. It's been running for three years plus. And every time we get to this point, the Bills are just like, yeah, not now. Right? No, we can't right now. Think of this guy like a wide receiver. They've said that twice. (laughs) <laughs> Cook and Kincaid, just think of him like well, a receiver. If you count Naheem Hines, it's three times. I know it's not the draft, yeah. but... No, we're not thinking of anybody like a receiver. Right. So, I just think that, again, like not in a vacuum, and I mentioned this with Matt last segment, if they take a defensive end, you're going to get people to call and be mad at not Bean, but McDermott. And fair or not, the reaction, I think, would be that McDermott runs the show and he's never going to not get his defensive play. Hey, you got your tight end and your guard last year. I'm going to get my defensive line help that I need so bad. Will it be worse if they do bring back Epinesa? And still go defensive end? But Yeah, because he's, he's two two years, 5.9 is what Spotrack said. Matt broke it down. Like Maybe he goes around and the, the for him... He's got some sack numbers the last two years, 13 sacks in the last two years. His win rate is not, it doesn't match. Like, it's fine, it's not, but it's not 
it's not that good. Like, it's well below, like, where Rousseau and Leonard Floyd were and where Vaughn was, like, the year before. Like, it's not at $10 million defensive end. Even if he's 25 years old, there's more here. The underlying numbers with Epinesa look like, no, this is about what he is at best. So if he goes around the market and doesn't find anything, they bring him back because it's not that expensive. Are we still... Are people still going to answer B? They still going to be okay with it? I mean, defensive line might be the answer then, but still, like you're, you're talking more rotation and more investments there. Not to say that it's wrong, but they just they just poured themselves into that position because they'll. So I'm more confident just because of the sheer volume that they need. They'll make signings on the defensive line and a defensive end before the draft. They might not at receiver. Well, they, they probably will. Right? They'll do something with a Sherfield type of replacement guy, right? But line, they'll sign guys. Even if it's one year, small money, there will be bodies that we're talking about in one month, which a month from yesterday is the start of free agency. And that might change the conversation around defensive end in the first round, especially if it's a guy like Leonard Floyd coming back here. Whereas receiver, I mean, they could do something. They could go sign Kendrick Bourne, but... I'm not as sure about that, that that because they, they will do it at line. They, it's because they need too many people. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. This story of Pascal Siakam in Toronto, which is an amazing story on his return and what the Raptors did in a moment. But first, Mark and Tonawanda. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I just think that um, this is still the thirteen-seven Gabe Davis performance effect that we're suffering from. I think the Bills really put all their eggs in that basket. He had a great game, and I think to this day we still don't have that sure number two receiver to Diggs, and Diggs is kind of moving into that number two role. But I really hope that this draft, that we just put to bed this notion that we are going to, the best way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs or the Bengals with a healthy Burrow is shoring up the defense. The the 49ers have one of the best defenses on paper this year. They they went and got guys. I mean, Nick Bosa was way better than Von Miller. And they still, I mean, it was about scoring. At the end of the day, they couldn't put points on the board. Um, you know, punts kill. But I'm all for trading up for a receiver um, or going to get one. Uh, maybe somebody to keep in mind, similar to a, maybe a Diggs trade, is Terry McLaurin. I think that'd be sweet. Um, but I'm going to hang up and I'll see what you guys got to say. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mark. Well, they're not doing that at the end about Diggs. It is. And I, McLaurin's going to be huge money. They, they, yeah. Yeah, they can't he, do that. They could have had McLaurin a couple years ago. Yeah. I feel Terry McLaurin, here, this is more to the point. Terry, Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. fourth round, or sorry, third round pick. Third round pick. Third round pick. Third round pick that year that like Metcalf and A.J. Brown all went in the second round. Yeah. I think. Third round pick. This is it's just always amazing to look at these rookie deals and how much they are worth. Yeah. His cap hit until he signed that extension was just like less than a million dollars. Yeah. Third round pick just came, comes in, contributes, is good right away. His next contract, he gets a twenty-eight million dollars signing bonus. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that you get a guy for that's that good for nothing. Yeah, you might also, by the way, think that uh, <laughs> McLaurin just to, to play the hypothetical there. McLaurin is like this young version of Diggs. He's one year younger than Diggs. He's going into his age twenty-nine season. McLaurin. He was old when they drafted him. So, but beside the point. The, the original thought of, like, I, I still feel pretty grounded in that same place of, I want to outscore the Chiefs and the Bengals. I only want to go so far with trying to stop them. 
knowing we just watched a season where the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because their defense smothered four of the top six offenses in football. Well, they did. I know that they did that. They, they did that, but did they really smother the Bills, or did the Bills... I'll... The other games maybe lead you to believe that's what happened, right? Like the, the Bills, Bills just there wasn't much they could do against that defense, and the Dolphins, the Ravens, but, and the Niners all couldn't do what they normally do. Well, all the other ones that the Chiefs ran up against, they ran up, they ran up against the Dolphins. What's their limitation on offense? Like off schedule, Tua, Tua, yeah, Tua. The, the Niners. What's their limitation on offense? Brock Purdy. The who else did they beat? Well, the, the Ravens. The Ravens. What's their limitation on offense? Uh, well, that day it was they decided not to run the football. But what you want? I'm not saying Lamar. Am I? He didn't have a great game. Their offense punted a lot. They had a fumble. A little tougher for him when he had 50 dropbacks, and they just knew true. what was coming that's every true. single they play. They fumbled into the end zone. Yeah, right, that one was maybe more okay. about breaks. Okay, sure. What was the Bills' limiting factor on the offense? Receiver. Yeah. If Josh Allen had had Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, what happens? They beat the Chiefs. Yeah. They, they beat the Chiefs. Period. I think they win the Super Bowl. They they did that to some great receivers, though, other than just like the Bills did, guy. Like, did they? Ayuk and Debo didn't do much, right? watch Ayuk on the film. Ayuk's open the whole, uh, not the whole day. Ayuk's yeah. open for a touchdown on I one know of those plays for Chris Jones. Saw that one, for sure. He missed Ayuk a bunch of times. Yeah. They got Chris Jones through. They they got to Purdy. What does Josh Allen do? That that's the point here. Is that as much as the Chiefs got pressure, Josh Allen is the cheat code. The Bills have you know the whatever you want to say the second version of Mahomes. Yeah. How do you beat the Chiefs? Nobody scored on the Chiefs. The Bills could have if their receivers could catch. I mean, if Diggs catches that one ball, maybe the game's different. Maybe not. If Sherfield catches his two, yeah. maybe the game's different. If they have someone to get, the Bills had. Zero explosive plays in that game. Zero. Mm-hmm. And still put up the most points that anybody did against the Chiefs. So right. there's a lot of different ways you could say you want to do it. The way to do it is to lean into your offense for this team. That's the best they've ever been. All right, on to Pascal Siakam because it's just a very quick note, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. So last night, Siakam returned to Toronto. He like he won the championship with them. He got traded as like an important player too. Yes, and he got traded a month ago, right? Yeah. About a month ago. Yep. So Pascal Siakam, he won a championship with Toronto with the Raptors. He got traded to the Pacers. Last night he returns. Okay. How did they pay tribute to him? Tribute videos normal. Yep. Have you ever heard of this before? In section one nineteen, if you sat in section one nineteen of that game last night, there was a sign on your seat in Toronto. Okay. That said, let's give Pascal Siakam a warm Raptors welcome. We want you to get involved in a special pregame tribute by wearing his jersey proudly during the National Anthem for him to see from the court. Please come pick up your Pascal jersey by the main sign at Gate L outside Section 119. Wow. Every fan in the section got a jersey and wow. got his jersey. And someone To, to keep? To keep. To keep. To keep. He doesn't play for him anymore. Instead of, hey, your store, your team store, has team jerseys that are five years old for $170. That nobody's going to buy. Right. They're just like, you know what, let's just give them to the people sitting in the section for that night. That is super cool. Yep. Because those jerseys might end up just like where? In a warehouse or like a super clearance section in two years. And one of the stories goes that Siakam said 
when he was a like a new player and relatively new to Toronto, he would look around the stadium during the national anthem to see how many Siakam jerseys there were. Yeah, there was one, and then there were two. And as he became a better player, he saw more and more Siakam jerseys. So in his tribute return, full section wearing his jersey. I'm looking at the picture now of it, and it's like the different versions of the jersey. Like there's the the there's the, they have the home one, they have the gold one they used to wear, the black one. That is super cool. Yep. Wow, that's an awesome job. So, I don't know about this Sabres store, but if there's any Reinhardt jerseys still in the arena. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his first time back, of course. Reinhardt and the, and, the Pan- so. and the Panthers are in town tonight. As he goes to score his 40th tonight. Yeah. He also didn't win the championship here. No, he so. didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. Really... They, they didn't. Yeah. Almost. But still, really super cool move from the Raptors. That, is, that is awesome. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe, 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. Coming up at 830, we're going to talk with Joe Goodbury, who uh, covers the Bengals. Talk about T. Higgins, because the speculation is looks like T. Higgins will get the franchise tag. That and uh, much more. Your phone calls, whatever you like. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. Be caller five right now to win a pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley, Darien Lake, July twentieth. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation. Looks like you could have a concert outside right now. It's nice and sunny and clear. It's cold still though. I think. It's All in right. Thirties. Jeremy and Joe. Good morning. I watched the nineteen seventy six Daytona five hundred finish yesterday. What? Yeah, that's right. Why? I'm why? just as surprised as you. How? Can why? I get? Can I? All right. So here's why. Here's how. Here's why. I urge you to do it. To watch the 1976 yes. Daytona finish. Yes, the 1976 Daytona 500 finish. Why? Yeah. Why? So you know, as part of the prep for what we do, I was looking like what happened this day in history. What? what February 15th. Uh-huh. And. Among other things, I mentioned earlier, it's the anniversary of Bill Belichick getting fired by the Browns. And whether it's birthdays, you never know what you're going to come across that's going to be interesting to talk about. So one of the things that came up was the 1976 Daytona 500 finish, which was won by David Pearson. Okay. And I just read the blurb, and it was that Pearson bumped Richard Petty very close to the finish line. They spun out into the grass, and then it became this... And Joe, I'm not. I'm going to be honest. Oh, what? God. What? What? what are, you, are we leading to? Was there like a, a review, a rules official no. uh, outcome here? No, no. But the way There's that a young Gene Sterator <laughs> on the stick mic <laughs> down right. on, to tell us what happened. The way that it was described, it sounded to me a little bit like uh, when Lightning McQueen gets bumped by Chick Hicks and spins out in the grass. Uh huh. It sounded like the plot of Cars a little bit, and I thought. I got to see this finish. This sounds like Lightning McQueen and Chick Hicks. Yeah. And it wasn't exactly that. But what happens is they're coming down the, the, the final corner, around the final, and it's just those two that are going to win it. Yeah. And he bumps, and they both spin out. And Richard Petty is stuck in the grass Yeah, and can't get out fast enough. And Pearson, who has also spun out, gets back on the track and crosses the finish line. If it happened today, it would be the most dramatic finish Ever, yeah. it feels like. Because here you are, you're in a race car driving however, you know, 100 and whatever, and you spin out and you can see the finish line. And both of you are restarting from zero. Yeah. 
to go the final 200 yards. Right. Like you're already, this is past the final turn? Yep, it's right at the finish line pretty much. 1976 Daytona 500. Is it possible, by the way, it's close enough that that's where cars got the, that's the what thing I, from? That's what I mean. The whole thing made me think about cars, which in our house, cars is a big thing. Yeah. We're watching a lot of cars. Yeah. Got a lot of, we got all the action figures, we got everybody. But it, it was just wild to, to watch it. The other thing about it that's wild is to watch the quality of the television broadcast. I urge you to do that as well. <laughs> I've got it up right now, and this looks like it could be from 1945. When, when they go across Holy the far cow. side of the track, they might as well be racing on the moon. You can barely <laughs> see these cars in orbit around this, you know, this track. Yeah. So there you go. My life is constantly cars these days. Yeah. Enough to where you're watching the 76 Daytona 500. You know. I want to see uh, Strip Weathers, Chick Hicks. Yeah. Everybody. They should have like a throwback race where they're using these cars. I would watch that. They're pretty cool cars. Like uh, th- an anniversary, whenever there's an anniversary of the Daytona 500, hey, we're going to use the cars that we used in the 76 Daytona 500. Yeah. That looks ancient. But look how close they are to the finish. He spins out, goes into the grass, and like final wow. turn. It's just like. He's spinning. He's spinning. He's in the grass. That's petty. That's For- yeah, that's, 43. That's Richard Petty. The SDP 43 car. And he can't get and out of the, the grass. the finish line is like right here. <laughs> and he can't get to it. You're right. That would be... Man, be if that, screaming. If that happened now... Be screaming in your... There yeah. You there you go. Classic I, sports. You bet petty money line. He's right there. Speaking of things that you maybe... I'm trying to think. Like, have you ever watched ESPN Classic? Yes. Okay. Because it's not... It doesn't exist anymore, no, right? No. Or if it does, it's not as... Readily available. Oh no! But before Growing there up. were before there were thirteen ESPN channels and all the streaming options, ESPN Classic was like, oh, let's see what's on, and you you'd find yourself to something like that, like the nineteen seventy six Daytona five hundred. I mean, I was into boxing even growing up, and there wasn't really YouTube as much back then. So, like, if if I was ever watching like old Muhammad Ali fights, it was on ESPN Classic. Yeah. 8030550188552550 Jeremy and Joe with you uh here on a Thursday as we gear up for uh you know an off season which uh combine starts in a couple weeks free agency less than a month towards that we've got a wide receiver idea of the day to get to and we'll check in with Cincinnati uh Joe Goodbury on the Bengals and their plans with T Higgins coming up bottom of the hour as well you can join us 8030550 on WGR and I want to go ahead and say this. I want to get rid of the term generational, and I want to start a new one, statue builder. 40, 50 years from now, I think Marvin Harrison Ooh. Jr. could have a statue built outside wow. of the stadium of the team that drafts him. That's how confident I am in this prospect. He's the best player in the draft to me, regardless of position. He brings everything that you want to the table. And what was most great, or the greatest thing about Marvin Harrison Jr. this year is that he still put up great numbers despite subpar quarterback play. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in the draft. Jordan Reed. I like that. Stop saying generational. Start saying statue builders. He'll get a statue. Statue worthy. Yeah. I like it. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Marvin Harrison Jr. Thought to be the number one receiver that's going to go off the board when the draft comes. How many yep. days until the draft? 72 days? 70. Sorry. 70. We got to update our board. Updated, yeah. 70 days until the draft. Is that a lot or is that not a lot? It's a lot. Yeah? A lot can happen in 70 days. Yeah. Here's a lot. Here's what can happen. We have like the combine and free agency and like there's a lot of stuff even for football. So before that. All that. 
Spotrek just sent out moments ago the upcoming NFL offseason dates. We've got the Combine, which is the 27th, I believe. Mm-hmm. The franchise and transition tag window opens in five days. That's when T. Okay. Higgins is likely to get a franchise tag. We're going to talk with Joe Goodbury coming up out of the hour on what the Bengals are going to do with T. Higgins. So franchise tag window opens on the 20th. Free agency begins on the 14th. But the legal tampering period begins on the 11th. We're, do, we're doing. Period, I know. Man. We're still sitting here with legal tampering period, Joe. Yeah. Just makes no sense. <laughs> right. Whatsoever. The 11th to the 13th, legal tampering. The 14th, the league year begins and free agency. So there you go. On Marvin Harrison Jr., and on our Twitter poll that we've got up here, we've got a Twitter poll up about whether you, if you want the Bills to trade up, really. Not all the way to Marvin Harrison Jr. territory, but. You know, mid-teens, late teens, costs about a second-round pick. It's the kind of it's a time of year where you open up a draft value chart, and what do you want to say here? It's like it's sobering. Oof. All right, Bills are at twenty-eight. What would it take? What would the second-round pick get you? Oh, a second-round pick would get you to a seventeenth. Okay, that's mm-hmm. not that's not that high. What if I added a third-round pick in there? Hmm. The Bills have. The 99th pick, if I had a third-round pick, I could go from 17 to uh, 15. You could trade your first, second, and third and move to 15th on the value chart. I understand the value chart is not you know, locked in. Right. It's parameters, maybe for teams and people to kind of get an idea of it. But I don't consider the Marvin Harrison Jr. idea at all. I, I don't either. The Even if you traded your future first-round pick... The it doesn't always right. You mentioned like doesn't always work to the tune of exactly what the chart says. How far the Chiefs traded a future first round pick? How far did they go up? They went from twenty seven, which is where Tredavious White was picked, to, to pick Mahomes 10. at ten to ten. So you didn't get it inside inside the top ten. And the Saints did this similar trade where they went from like twenty seven or twenty eight to fourteen to draft Marcus Davenport a couple of years ago, and that cost them a future first round pick yeah. to go up thirteen spots. So, right, and for Harrison, you got to get up to like four, four, four? three, four. I just don't think it's any. It, well, here's it's, uh, it's let's, less. It's less realistic than trading digs. Yes, I agree with that. Let's let's real quick ask this question: What positions is it worth doing that for? And consider who you are, because not every team is the same. Would you trade a future first to move up for a quarterback? Definitely. Yep. That's definitely worth it. The return on that, if you hit it, is right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what the Chiefs did for Mahomes. Yep. Would you trade a future first to move up for a guard? No. You'd be insane. I mean, you'd be out of your mind. <laughs> for a tackle, some teams might. I wouldn't think you should ever do that. No. Should the Bills entertain it as an idea anymore because they have Josh Allen. And the comparison here, the right one is the Julio Jones trade. Right? Mm-hmm. The Falcons gave up a future first and went all the way up to take Julio Jones. I think they went from the 20s to number 6. Which is kind of similar to Harrison, I guess. right? Because like, Jones going into that draft class was like, this dude's going to be unbelievable. You, can't, you won't believe how good he's going to be. Yeah. Surefire. You know, number one receiver right away, and all that all that ended up being completely true. Yeah, how far did the Falcons go, though? They picked him sixth. Um, they traded with Cleveland, who dropped back all the 26. way to 26. So it was a future first to move up from 26 
to six for Julio Jones. Worth it? Yeah. It was worth it. It was worth it. They paired him with Matt Ryan. They, the, the idea was, we've got this quarterback, and he's going to play with this receiver for however many years. So you uh, you almost wonder if you know, you've know you got your your smart ideas, like this, trust the process, we're going to do this and this and this, and we're going to be smart about this. But if a team were to be willing to move down from 6 to 26 and the Bills could get Malik Neighbors or Roma Dunze, if they like one of those two enough, and say, listen, we have Josh Allen in his prime. Mm-hmm. Should we do whatever it takes to get the best receiver possible to be someone to pair with Diggs for now and then let's be real about this for a moment. If we can imagine they did this and they have a Dunze and he has a great rookie season. Mm -hmm. Every single person that considers the idea of the post Diggs bills can now make it make sense. Right now you can't make it make sense. The idea of dumping Diggs, trading Diggs, what are you going to do? You've got nothing. And if you draft a receiver in the top 10, again, like not saying this is the smartest thing to do, but if you did it, it would be, all right, well, I've got my number one receiver for Allen for the next however many years. And look at how well that has gone for these last three years. Yeah. To have the guy for him. I did not know this Julio Jones example really existed for this. Do you know what their record was the year before they did that? So they moved down, but it was 27. They moved down, they moved up from 27 up to six. Their record was 13 and three. They were 13-3 and three with Matt Ryan at quarterback. And, by the way, if you want your digs comparable, they had Roddy White, who, if you remember him, how good was he? The year before, He was really good. The year they traded up, the year right before they traded up to get Julio Jones, this was Roddy White's stat line. 179 targets, 115 receptions, 1,389 yards and 10 touchdowns. And they traded up for a receiver. Yeah. He was 30 years old. And they traded from 27 to 6. They gave up their first-round pick, their future first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. Wow. That is is the Marvin Harrison trade. And what did they do with it? They built the best offense to never win a Super Bowl because they got there with a 28-3 lead and blew it. Yeah. That Falcons team was one of the best offenses ever. Kyle Shanahan ran it. Matt Ryan pulling the trigger. Man, that is such a that's such a bold move. Yeah. I can't believe they did that. I didn't know they were that good, and that's how far they went. 22 picks. A.J. Green went earlier, so maybe this is more like a Malik Neighbors trade. A.J. Green went fourth or third that year, yeah. and then Julio went a couple picks after that. So they and, got the second uh, receiver in the draft, a thir- but, a, but a superstar and, receiver. A 13-3 team walked in and said, we're going to get better at receiver. Yeah. Despite the fact we already have this all-pro guy that's already on the roster. 803-0550, if you want to join us on any of this, you know, throwing around ideas at receiver like we do most days. T. Higgins, likely to get franchise tagged. We'll talk with Joe Goodbury, uh, who covers the Bengals, coming up in about 15, 20 minutes. Pete in South Buffalo is up. Hey, Pete, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Good morning. Good. Hey, just want to call real quick. Um, I, I know you haven't really touched on it lately, but um, I've really been thinking a lot about the uh, situation in Kansas City. And, and Jeremy, I know my, my son is two years old. He's right around the same age as your twins. And, and recently he asked me, he's been more interested in the Bills, hey, when can I go to a game? I really want to go. And I've been telling him, hey, we'll go to a preseason game. This was you know several weeks ago. We'll do that. But, you know, I think the more I've been thinking about 
the state of the security of the league and the Bills' new stadium, you know, it's really getting me thinking about, you know, is it the best place for him to be? Um, transparently, you know, I think myself specifically, and maybe you and others can, can attest to this, there's been a lot of congestion issues at Buffalo Bills games at Gates. Um, recently, January 28th at, at the, at the um, Baltimore Ravens game versus Kansas City, there was a drone that was flown into the stadium, which stopped play, which I find very concerning. Um, and I guess I don't have a solution necessarily. I don't know if the Bills do or if the NFL does as a whole, but I guess my point is I work in safety specifically, and I guess I just want to take the time to just, first of all, to say situational awareness is so important. You know, people need to understand what they're doing, where they are at all times, and how to respond in situations. And um, like I said, as I bring this back to my, my son's comment about going to a game, I'm really trying to myself wrap that around my brain and into how I can do that in a way where I feel comfortable but yet want him to explore and, and take in the excitement of an NFL game. But I guess I, I don't have a solution. I guess but I just want to just propose that to you guys or what your thoughts were yeah. on maybe the yeah. state of – the security with the Bills Stadium as we kind of move into a new day with uh, such a terrible situation that's occurred in Kansas City. Yeah, thanks, Pete. There's a, there's, there's a lot of good offshoots of this conversation about stadium security and safety. And, you know, I, I think your point about crowd congestion where people are. You, If you live in this country, you know you can get shot anywhere. It's just reality. You can get shot anywhere except in a plane. Why they don't allow any guns on the planes. Mm-hmm. But you get pretty much shot anywhere and just caught up in a mass shooting anywhere. And it's, of course, a national embarrassment. But for the Bills and for the NFL, to your, to your point, it's probably a topic we don't get to enough when asking about the new stadium, right? What do we ask? How many seats are covered? What's the PSL prices? Yesterday, uh, and, and a piece at our website about season ticket prices, you've got that the highest seat in the stadium, the last row, is 54 feet closer to the field than the current stadium. Again, like your game-watching experience. But there's definitely a good conversation to be had about safety and congestion in places and too many people outside of one gate. You get like 4,000 people in line outside of one gate. And from a security standpoint, you know, if you were going to try and bring a firearm into the stadium, that's much more difficult than just standing on Abbott Road. All right. Now, the Bills have extensive security, and you walk into the stadium, you're going to walk by you can see SWAT it. teams yeah. or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm sorry for not getting the actual terms of the, the, the firearms and squads and who's ready to defend in a situation where something goes south. Um, but I think back to, I went to the most secure stadium I've ever felt like I've gone to. It was in London. When I went to see Arsenal, the Emirates. Mm-hmm. The, the the turnstile system, the way you walk through, it was like a full-body, singular turnstile. You were walking through one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know if that's because they, in, in the history of the Premier League, they've had issues with stampedes and people yeah. crushed Crush, in Liverpool. Crushing, Nine, yeah. 96 people die in a crush of stampedes. Uh, of, of just people. Yes, Up people. against a fence because people from the back. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things to take into account. And if I'm remembering correctly, one thing about the new stadium that will be different from the current stadium is that there will be, I want to say like an atri- an outdoor atrium. There's probably a better term for this. The, like the footprint of the stadium. Here's the actual bowl that exists. Now expand that out further and further and further. Maybe there's a security zone where you can 
a secure area. You can mm-hmm. go in without tickets and socialize and walk around. And maybe are there restaurants or spots to just hang out? You know, the giant buffaloes. Mm-hmm. So those are answers that we probably have to get going forward about the new stadium, Pete, about what security measures are in place. Yeah. Because, you know, the uh, the, the status quo in the country doesn't seem to be going to change anytime soon. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, the, the scene in Kansas City yesterday is terrible. It, was it was it 11 children? 11 children. 11 children wounded by gunshots. Yep. Luckily, and maybe even amazingly, they're all, n- none of which are in critical condition. Yeah. But, like, right. 11 of 22 were children. Mm-hmm. On the anniversary of the Parkland shooting in Florida? Didn't know that, but not surprising. There was one television station that had a uh, someone on to talk about the anniversary of a mass shooting, and they broke in to talk about a mass shooting. Good stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 803-0550. Thanks, Pete, for the for the call and the concern, and, you know, happy to entertain. I'm sure the Bills, it's NFL standard practices about keeping their fans safe. You know, you could make that point for NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, anywhere that people converge, anywhere that lots of people get together. I mean, a parade like that. That's what, Right, that's right. a parade. Yeah. That's Any a parade. parade. And there's a heavy police presence at that parade. Yep. And, you know, 803-0550. Vance is up next in Arizona. Hey, Vance. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead, man. Uh, so I want to answer your guys' Twitter question. Uh, I'm all on the, uh, the wide receiver train, and I want to go big. I don't want to swing and miss again. So... Trade the second. We can find some some pieces down the way for uh, for the D line, and it's no secret to anybody that we're in a scoring league. We need to score with the best of them. I have uh, one more quick point on a Diggs thing, and I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. And that's uh, maybe we find a suitor that really wants Diggs. We free up that cap space, and uh, we recoup some picks and some assets in the trade, but we free up his cap space and also have the ability to sign another helping piece. Well, there is really no ability to free up cap space by sending him away. No. Nope. You do not free up any space. You just take. You, you just pay you for take, it. You take more. Yeah. So Okay. Um, even if we found a team that was willing to take on his salary, well, you yeah, need yeah, that, too. You yeah, need they, that, they, too. They would do that, and then, I mean, the, the, the thing about the, the idea of a Diggs trade is I can't, I can't find anybody to make it make sense for anybody. He's an expensive receiver, and I still think he's going to be very good. So even if I'm a team that wanted him, okay, I'll take him, and I'll take that cap hit because I've got the room, but I'm certainly not going to give you a premium asset to do so. Right, and even if you do, Vance, like you need a team to accept, okay, i got to pay him $18 million in guaranteed salary this year. After you do that, the Bills have to still take $30 million in dead cap. Like you don't, you don't clear it out just because the other team's taking money, too. Oh, okay, I didn't understand it that way. So thank you guys for clearing that up for me, and uh, hopefully we get Troy Franklin. That's my advice. <laughs> thanks, Vance. I, I saw... Thanks, Vance. I saw Pro Football Focus tweeted out that the most mocked player to the Bills. Now, this would be in people using the mock draft function of Pro Football yes, Focus, the simulator. The, yeah. the most, the number one most mocked player to the Bills that Bills players are selecting is Troy Franklin out of Oregon. Yep. 
Really, the the dig the day they signed the extension for Stefan Diggs, the day he was locked in, which is a commitment, by the way, for both sides. Yeah. You have to remember that Diggs, if he was so desperate, or if you really thought he had it in his mind, as recently as two years ago, I think it's less than two years ago, he signed that extension. If he really wanted out, he could he could have done it. He could have just not signed that extension. He could have played one more year, making whatever it was, like $15 million a year, and he would have had tons of flexibility. And the Bills would have had tons of flexibility. They both signed up to be together for pretty much the rest of his his prime. So, like, that's why the financials are so tough. He, they're not getting a first-round pick. They're not getting the Justin Jefferson trade or the Tyreek Hill trade. No. I don't even know if you would want them to. But if you did, it's not. It's just, again, I'd need to find somebody to come at me with a way that that works out, and I still have not seen it. 803 Thanks, fans, for the phone call. John Bouchergross has just tweeted. Uh, he tweeted yesterday. I had not seen that. Maybe you'd seen this already. The Blue Jackets and the Red Wings are going to play at the Horseshoe? Yeah. Yeah. All right. In a uh, stadium series game, not the Winter Classic, but it's going to be a stadium series game. March first, yeah, that 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 had to that, that had to happen. Of the iconic stadiums in North America that the NHL has not been to yet, that was probably top of the list. Yeah, they've been to even like Lambeau now, I think. So they've been pretty much everywhere. But what's the most iconic stadium that they have not yet hit? They've been to Fenway like five times. It feels like <laughs> they've been to Yankee Stadium, they've Soldier been Field, to Soldier Field. They've been to Wrigley. Yep, they've been to Michigan Stadium. Yep. that was maybe the best one. That I, I, just uh, aesthetically, that looked awesome. Um, Lake Tahoe was pretty great when they did the outdoor Lake one. Tahoe was really it, cool. It was awesome. I kind of hope they would do that again. Yeah, even though they only did that one maybe because of you know the COVID, the COVID situation. Um, they haven't been to the new Bill Stadium yet. They haven't had an opportunity to. The next one. Uh, Anfield. Just go to Liverpool. That would be go to cool. St. Bernabeu. That's right. That's where the uh, NFL's going there. Cool. Where uh, Real Madrid plays. NFL's going there. They are? Yeah, 2025. For a regular season game? Did I miss that? They're going to Spain? Yeah, 2025. And the you might have missed that. Wow. And all I mean, signs, they were going to Brazil. All signs point to it being Miami. That'll go. To Spain? Yep. 803-0550. On some wide receiver stuff. T. Higgins, what's the plan for the Bengals and T. Higgins? The thought is he'll be franchise tagged. Franchise tag window opens in five days. Of course, you'd have to sign that. Uh, we'll talk about it with Joe Goodbury coming up, checking in on the Bengals, who, of course, had a lost season when losing Joe Burrow. So what the Bengals' plan is, and um, that's, of course, beyond just T. Higgins. That's coming up here on WGR. You need to create explosive plays. Hey, good morning. Jeremy and Joe on WGR as we shift gears a little bit. Franchise tag deadline, or not deadline, window opens, I should say. Franchise tag window opens on the 20th, and there are some receivers that could be seeing the franchise tag from their respective teams. Michael Pittman Jr., maybe Mike Evans, T. Higgins as well. These are three of the big-name free agent wide receivers, and joining us on the Western Hotline is Joe Goodbury. He does Bengals on the Brain on YouTube and uh, has talked Bengals with us many times over the years. Joe, good morning. Good morning, boys. 
So T Higgins franchise tag is that? Would you lock that in? You think that is uh, that is expected for for T? Yeah, the, I would do that, and uh, I would I would say that's the expectation for the last couple of years. Ever since uh, last year's at the combine, go get go find your own T Higgins from Duke Tobin. When the rumors were starting to pop up that the Bengals could uh, be interested, or maybe could T Higgins could be had for a pick, uh, he came out and quickly said. No, we're not interested in making anyone else better. Go find your own T. Higgins. At that point, it was like, yeah, they're going to hold on to him as long as possible. And I never expected a deal to get done, so this was always the option for him in 2024. 25 years old, second-round pick, top of the second round. And, you know, Joe, there's long been a, well, the, the Bengals can't keep Burrow, Higgins, and Chase. And Boyd's a free agent as well. He's more likely to leave, it would seem, can they keep all three, Burrow, Higgins, and Chase, if they decide to? They can if that's what they decide. And it's the problem with it is do you want to do that? Do you want to spend that much of your cap space uh, on three players? And this year, even with the tag, it's going to be 24% of your total cap space with the carryover money and everything else uh, that the Bengals brought from 2023. 24% of your cap on three guys is a lot. It's a hefty price, and that's before Jamar Chase would even get an extension. That total number could go up to 30 35%, even up to 38 in the later years if they get the money we expect them all to get. I just don't think it's an option overall because the agent for T. Higgins is David Mogoletta. Same agent as Jesse Bates. This is a very similar situation. The Bengals are struggling to negotiate with him and – how the Bengals typically structure contracts is not a contract his clients are interested in, which basically means that the Bengals, hey, we're not going to guarantee anything past the first year. We're going to give you a huge signing bonus in the first year, and we're not going to cut you. No one ever cuts your free agent after two years anyway, but we're not going to actively guarantee it. It's going to be an effective guarantee. And his clients are like, no, thank you. We don't want that. Why would we do that when we can go into free agency and get 45 Sixty million guaranteed for T. Higgins, and I get it from both perspectives. The Bengals don't want to do it because Higgins has had his injury issues. He's played about sixty-five percent of the total snaps in his four years in Cincinnati. Uh, I think they want to protect themselves a little bit, and of course, he's going to get paid if he ever did hit the open market because he's a twenty-five-year-old uh, receiver that's had a thousand yards three out of of the four years. So I think uh, it. Both sides are at an impasse, and it's not going to be a thing that we really have to worry about of if you can keep all three guys for the long term. Do you think, like, I think of the Steelers for this a little bit, too. There was a way they would not do contracts that yep. finally they, they changed for T.J. Watt. Like, there was one guy that finally, like, okay, if we're going to do business in today's NFL, maybe, like, this is our breaking point. And I don't know, like, do you think... The Bengals could sh- might change the way they do things, like you're talking about, just because of Burrow. Even like I don't want to say he is, you know, Rogers with the the puppet strings on like all the moves, but I don't know. Like I would want to think that he has some influence over how they're going to do things going forward. Yeah, that is the the little bit of like I don't know what this team is going to do. And like normally, I feel very confident in in how they operate, but. With Burrow, they did have to change. They did guarantee future years and have rolling guarantees every year that activate and you know give them a $30 million signing bonus in every single year, kind of like the Mahomes deal. Uh, so they did structure differently for Burrow, as expected. He's a quarterback, franchise quarterback. We always, we always expected they would do it differently for him, and we expect them to do it differently for Jamar Chase as well. It just seems like they draw a line between their elite players and their next-tier guys, and that's where the the – 
impasse happens because these second tier guys will get paid by the Jaguars in free agency like an elite player, right? So, like, why would that player accept anything less than an elite contract? Uh, I don't know. I do think that Burrow wants to keep Higgins. He wants to keep as many of these core pieces together that they were drafted together. And I could see him saying, hey, listen, let's get it done. Whatever has to happen, get it done. And even talking to T. Higgins as well, because there was a time when the T.J. Watt deal, if you remember, he had to go into that room eventually and say, hey, get the deal done. I'm tired of uh, of arguing over you know guarantees here and there. And they eventually found the uh, uh, common ground. Mm-hmm. I think something like that could happen. But maybe that's just fan fiction you know, wishful thinking on my part. But, yeah, I do think there is an element of unknown with Burrow. Joe Goodbury has been covering the Bengals for quite a long time. Bengals on the brain on YouTube. With the Bengals this season, Joe, is it just a uh, bleep happens, right? Like right back on track next year to start the year, considering themselves a, a contender for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think that's how we'd like to look at it. The, the only other thing is that the defense was really bad this year for the first time. Well, first time in the last few years. It was reminiscent of the first year Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor were here, and they had a transition period of trying to get the right guys in the in the building to run Anarumo's scheme, which is very versatile. They, they, they can be a 3-4, a 4-3. They can be a heavy blitz and zone team. They can be a heavy man team. They'll switch it. On you know uh, on a, any third down to be a completely different defense. I'll switch it at halftime to be a completely different defense, and that has worked the last two years when they were really good. This year, losing both safeties with Jesse Bates and Von Bell, going with young guys at those at those positions and new guys, it it really hampered what they could do on defense. They ended up leading the league in explosive play rate on that side, and that's that that's not what you want to do. So. Um, I do think there is some of, even if Burrow was healthy, that defense may have let them down, unless it would have continued to get better and would have solidified itself by the time playoffs uh, came around. But there is some work to do over there on, the, on you know, for 2024, not just Higgins and Boyd being free agents, but Jonah Williams is starting right tackle. And, and really the only carryover offensive lineman from the Super Bowl year in 2021, uh, DJ Reader at nose tackle, one of the best nose tackles on the league. He's a free agent. So they do have some work to do, and they do have some areas of need. How big a loss will Tyler Boyd be if he ends up walking away? To be honest, I don't know that it's huge. And I like Tyler Boyd, and he's been a good player and a good slot receiver. I heard you guys talking about him yesterday. I think you were, you were dead on about it, about him just being not a guy that's going to bring you a speed element, not going to bring you much after the catch. Uh, you're not going to get the explosive plays with him. Uh, he had a few big pro- – high-profile mistakes in the Super Bowl, drop passes, running the wrong route, um, missing the second half of the AFC Championship game in 2022, which really hurt them because the Chiefs were doubling Higgins and Chase and just saying, hey, beat us with your backups at tight end and wide receiver three, and it just they couldn't get it done. Um, So I think some people have soured on Boyd a little bit, but he's been a good, reliable player. I just don't think you can get him or take him on if you need if you need the explosive plays to return to your offense, he's not going to bring it back. He's not going to do it, especially for eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. But if you have some explosive young receivers, and maybe you need to get a reliable slot guy that's going to uh, be the guy, be the leader of that room, maybe say like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the teams will covet Tyler Boyd. It's just there's a reason why he's projected to get eight to ten rather than what these guys fifteen to twenty five for the top receiver. Joe Goodbury, when we talk about the Bengals, 18th pick in the draft, top two needs. What do you think are the most two likely spots that they go for? 
Yeah, as we sit here today before free agency, obviously that'll change everything. Um, right tackle and defensive tackle. Right tackle because you need a starter, you need to protect Joe Burrow, you need to limit the amount of hits he's taking. And when he is kept clean, he is as deadly as any quarterback in the league and in recent history. His numbers are insane when he's when he's not pressured. Uh, they need to find a way to limit that as much as possible. And Jonah Williams is a free agent, and I do not expect them to find common ground there at all because of offensive line to get overpaid in free agency, basically, and he'll get paid more out there than, than the Bengals are willing to pay him. Uh, so right tackle will be our probably betting favorite at pick 18. Uh, defensive tackle, though, losing Reader, and even if they found a way to keep Reader, because maybe he doesn't get the uh, offers out there with this torn quad that happened relatively late in the year. If they even if they can return, bring him back, they're going to need a pass rushing defensive tackle, a three tack more than a nose tackle. And I think in the first round, if like a Jerzon Newton or a Byron Murphy are there, I think those are high end athlete athletes that you can bring in this defensive tackle room and really upgrade the talent you have there. And even without Reader, I think D tackle is, and I don't think nose tackle is going to be a first round pick at all. Uh, so, you know, maybe Tavondre Sweat from Texas in round two uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Very good. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, boys. Joe Goodbury on the uh, Western Hotline. Bengals on the brain. Been covering the Bengals for quite some time. Higgins stays with the franchise tag, at least, and can they get it done long term? Right, good. I, 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 can, I can draft them high in my uh, fantasy draft coming I've up been, on Saturday. I've been raising my hand the whole time saying every, every time I hear that they can't keep all three, I don't understand why that would be true. Especially if they're on different timelines. If you could sign Higgins and load up his money early and then sign Chase and push his money a little late, you'd be fine. My my and he kinda of pointed to it too. Like we'll see if they do it long term. My sticking point on them is always just they're the cheapest team in football. And but can Burrow make them change? Yeah. Can Burrow tell them like you're you're keeping him. Go offer him twenty million dollars. Go do the deal he wants to do. He is one of uh, the, the this three right here, like you're keeping this together. I signed up here with, you know, the impression that we were going to be chasing Super Bowls. You're not going to go cheap on T. Higgins because you want to structure it a different way than every other team in the league does. That said, if we were talking about that scenario, there'd be plenty of merit to uh, let him walk and draft one. Stay cheaper. A fourth and a fifth year option? Like, Higgins doesn't have a fifth. As a second round pick, Higgins doesn't have a fifth year option. If he did. Here's a great point between the difference between the first pick of the second round and the last pick of the first round. If he has a fifth-year option, you are paying him this year, like, what, like 15? Yeah. 20? No, under that. What's the fifth-year option for, for a receiver that's made one Pro Bowl? Has he made a Pro Bowl? Probably. But it's um, not. I just had a spot track page open. Fifth-year option for T. Higgins this year? What, what would it be for a receiver? Because he doesn't get a fifth-year option because he's a second-round second pick. pick. Right. Um... I'll find that. I've got, I've got yeah, Spotrex fifth year option page. Or, 16, oh, I've seen sixteen point eight for last year. Okay, there you go. Under the franchise tag, yeah, considerably. Yeah, lower than the franchise tag for sure. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty pick of the week coming up. Got seventeen point nine. Okay, there you go. Seventeen point nine. So about five million dollars less. What's the franchise tag for receiver this year with the window opening in twenty twenty or twenty twenty? Well, on February twentieth is what I was trying to say. Franchise tag for wide receiver is still the number two franchise tag in the league. I just see projected north of 20. All right. That's all I see. 803-0550 to join us and one 888 Pick of the week when we get back. Um, the Bengals, meanwhile, are the third favorite to open the season at Arrowhead.
on kickoff night. Hmm. Chargers and Ravens ahead of them in the odds and who will play in Kansas City for the opener. It's Jeremy and Joe on WGR. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Have you seen anything like that? Vern Longquist on the call of Tiger's iconic shot at 16 at Augusta mm-hmm. way back when. That would have been 2000... 2005. Okay, wow, that long ago. Almost 20 years. He has announced this will be his last Masters tournament. Vern. Legend. Legend. Absolute legend of the game for the Masters, for college basketball, for Happy Gilmore. Right. Yes. Happy. He he's the he leans over and goes, "Who the hell is Happy Gilmore?" Yeah, that's right. Absolute that's legend, crazy. national treasure, Vern Lundquist. Merton Laverne Lundquist. Wow. Is he only walking away from the Masters, or is he sticking on, or is he already retired? Maybe from other stuff like SEC. Right. I guess at the CBS doesn't even have the SEC anymore. Yeah. Um. So maybe this is it. I mean, he's 83. He's so. fantastic. The best. Yeah. One of the best to ever do it. Could that be his most legendary call? The there, Tiger Chip? There's, there's. If you go to his Wikipedia page, they've got a lot of them listed. Like his there's, iconic calls? I think of Yes Sir, which would have been a call for a jackpot, right? Um, some of, okay, they've got that one. They've he, got. He calls the kick six for Alabama or Auburn, Auburn Alabama, Alabama, doesn't he? That was the one I thought of. The Iron Bowl, yeah. Even though the call I think of for that play is not Vern Lundquist doing it, although his call was good too. One of my favorite calls ever is the Auburn play-by-play man just shouting, "Auburn's going to win the football game," over and over. But I'm looking at the list now too. That's up there. The. Eh, that's that's going to be pretty tough to top the Tiger Chip. The Wikipedia says that in broadcasting circles, Lundquist is affectionately known as the Golden Goat. The Golden Goat. The Golden Goat. Hmm. He worked with John Madden, his broadcasting partners. He has worked with Summerall, Madden, Nance, Musburger, okay. Gary Danielson, Terry Bradshaw, Dan Fouts. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolute legend. This is, uh, he's only oh, still wow. doing golf, by the How way. How about this? You want, you want some of his most iconic calls? Yeah. He's got the Leitner shot against Kentucky. Wow. Really? Yep. That's pretty good, too. His, his, he just shouts, uh, yes. yes his, right? his thing is, has often been, yes. Yes. Yep. yep. Vern Lundquist. We're going to make Vern, Vern Lundquist's final Masters broadcast, the pick of the week. Pick of the week brought to you by Riverfront Auto Sales. Pick of the week from Riverfront, the 2018 Cadillac CTS. If you want luxury, performance, safety, and stylish, then this CTS is for you. Check it out now at RiverfrontAutoSales.com or call my friends Marty Sr. or Marty Jr. at 886-1626 for Riverfront Auto Sales. Cheers to Vern and to his uh, 40th and final Masters appearance. Looking at this list, I want to put him on the Mount Rushmore of play-by-play. Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty darn good. Who else you put everything? I want to put Kevin Harlan there. I think Kevin Harlan's as good as it gets. Kevin Harlan, Vern Lundquist, Al Michaels, Nance, and I've never been. I like Nance enough. I've just never been the biggest Nance guy. Not enough energy for me. 
Just need a little, a little bit more. You know, he he lives on like a six. Sometimes I want a ten. I think I might like Nance more than Al Michaels. Is that blasphemy? Wow. I mean, Al Michaels has the miracle on ice. He does. Maybe it's also recency bias with Al Michaels. I feel like he hasn't put because out because he doesn't best. care about Amazon anymore. <laughs> um, He's been accused of mailing it in. He he has. Those are that's probably your final debate though. Yeah. Eight zero three zero five fifty and one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. If you'd like to join us, Jeremy and Joe on WGR. This is not an isolated situation in this country, but I know what I know what the cycle is going to be, and then we'll go to normal everyday day scheduled programming. And the problem is, is that in these particular situations, when we have to come on television or anybody else has to talk about it, that hates this part of what we are as a country, then it's it's always isolated. Well, it's this and it's that. The bottom line is that it happens too much in the country. That's the bottom line. So as we move forward, when we're talking about football and and celebratory we just coming off of a super bowl i was excited to come on today and talk about the kansas city chiefs parade this is the back-to-back super bowl champions it doesn't even matter anymore and that's the magnitude of what's happening and it happens too often in this country that we live in which is great by the way and you know me i'm a fisherman i'm a hunter i love gun rights something needs to be done about these particular situations that seem to happen in this country in particular far too often. Marcus Spears on ESPN. ESPN was a little late getting the coverage of what happened yesterday because they were in pre-taped NBA television shows. Mm -hmm. So while like the 24-hour news networks had gone to coverage, ESPN was still not there. Albert Breer reported yesterday the Chiefs left the parade in buses and in shock, I'm told players were unbelievable and calming, panicked kids. Blaine Gabbert, Trey Smith, Austin Ryder, Chris Oladokun all rallied. Smith went to one upset kid, gave him the WWE title belt, sat with him until he calmed down. So there you yeah. go. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was tweeting out about ways to get involved down at the hospital, too. So, Yep. So there you go. That happened. And... You know, watching the scenes, I imagine it's terrifying. So thoughts to everybody out there and, uh, you know, wish that something could be done, of course. It's, <laughs> you, you get cynical or I don't know what the word is. Watch the, who is it? Uh, what's his name? The guy that Woj was right about. <laughs> if you know, you know. The guy that Woj was right about when he got suspended. Adrian oh. Wojnarowski, yeah. He tweeted some nonsense. He's taken $5 million or something from gun companies. You know, it's all cool. Anyway, hey, good morning. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it on the rails here as best we can. Um, Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Want some instant trivia? Uh, sure, why not? And then I want to talk about Sam Reinhart's return. It's on Sam Reinhart. Oh, all right. Instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Is it Sam Reinhart's top five favorite hot dogs? Because don't forget, we do have to do hot dog of the day. We do. There's another opponent in tonight. It's not Florida's first appearance, right? But it could um, be. It's I no. Think I think it this is. is their this is their first time here this year. Because I think no, they are. You want to know why? I looked up earlier in the year in, yeah, they in my down sicko there. mode, saber mode. Is it possible that Reinhardt could score his fiftieth goal in Buffalo? Their second last game of the season is in Buffalo. Okay. So he might. Hey, he could score his fortieth tonight in Buffalo and score his fiftieth. This Next is month. this is their first matchup months. of the year, these two on either side. I think so. They're good. 
It's amazing. Wow. They have all their games left against Florida. Sabres. And they're 10 points. <laughs> Sabres, Panthers. Right. Yeah, right. Sabres, Panthers all time. The most recent one was, uh, just making sure here, April. Yeah. They have three games coming up against Florida. And for what it's worth, how has this matchup looked the last, like, 10 times these two teams have played? Mm-hmm. Not, not 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 getting too metaphory. It has looked like men versus boys. Yeah. The only win I can think of is when Craig Anderson had like fifty saves. Last year <laughs> Shut up. Last year the Sabres won three to one. Yeah. They had lost six straight. And when these two teams play, usually it gets chippy and the Panthers push the Sabres all over the ice. That's how it's gone lately. We'll see how that how that goes tonight. Okay, Reinhardt trivia. Ready. How many players did Sam Reinhardt assist on a goal for during his Sabre career, you think? How many different scores did he assist on? 13. 35. Okay. Name all... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just give me the top... Give me the top five. The five scores that scored more than 10 goals assisted by Sam Reinhardt in okay. his Sabres career. Eichel. Number one with 38, that is by far the most, probably not a big surprise to anybody. In fact, I was going to look up, this might take a lot of effort, but like, where would that rank all time for the Sabres? Like, assist to goal, Reinhardt to Eichel. Or Eichel to Reinhardt, maybe it would even be more, I don't know. Because they played together on the same line for like five years. Yeah. They put up numbers, didn't have success, team-wise. What's second place? How, what's 15. It? 15. Like, I want to put Darlene in here, because they would have played a good number of games together. Three. Okay, that's not it, though. No, it's not it. Not okay. even close. Skinner? He's third with 14. Kane? Kane, fifth with 12. Olofsson? It's a good guess. He's number two. 15 is Victor Olofsson, surprisingly. So, one more? One more. He didn't play on O'Reilly's line, did Enough. he? Enough. 13. Huh? 13, O'Reilly, okay. That's your list. Guys, I almost had you guess the guys who he only had one with. Oh, boy. But that would have been really tough. Uh... Like, were you ever going to guess Cal O'Reilly? <laughs> or C.J. Smith? Cal O'Reilly. Or Jimmy Vesey? Or <laughs> Seth Griffith? Or Nathan Beaulieu? Tage Thompson, only two, by the way, on this list. 38 assists, though, from uh, Reinhardt to Eichel. But not together. Reinhardt back tonight. Looking for his 40th. Looking for his 40th. Yep. And you mentioned earlier that he's like got the number one defensive rating in the league among forwards. So he might be more of the Selkie guy. Although, like, he's kind of up for everything. I don't know about the heart, but he's, I mean, the Rocket Richard race, he's only three behind Austin Matthews. That's going to be tough for him to overcome, but he's right there. He's the only one even close. I guess he's in the Selkie conversation. The heart, I mean, that might be a little tougher. But he's he's listed on the odds, but he's behind. He's like sixth or seventh, so hmm. he's very likely to come away with a major award this year. And it's a contract year for him. So what does somebody pay him? Ten mil, maybe. Let's get stupid. The Sabers give him fifteen million dollars to come back next year. There's no world he would come back. Not even for fifteen. Nope. Twenty. Nope. Thirty million. Nope. Yeah, no, I don't. I right? don't. I don't think so either. What? Do, How could you possibly? I mean, everyone that's left has tasted success. Right. They would and never 
want to revert back to it's because it's still the gloominess that they had when they were here. Well, forever held whose fault that was. Whatever they were a part of it, and everyone's gone off to success. Bogosian's won the cup. O'Reilly, Eichel's won the cup. Kane and Reinhardt are winning like six playoff series at a time. What do and I, I don't. I'm not like dancing on graves here, or not trying to say, "LOL, told you so," or anything like that. You know, we all have yelled about the Sabers for a decade and yelled at each other. And I'm sure friendships and marriages have been, you know, this guy's a bad guy. No, he's not. Uh, what does everybody do with what the guys that have left, the success that they've had, while here this team sits still in? the bottom of the conference, bottom of the division, mm-hmm. and nothing has really changed. The names have changed. The song's the same. The jerseys have even changed. The jerseys have changed. You've got new players that you think are good and you like and are now disappointing you in different ways. The people that yelled the loudest, they used to call us and yell about Eichel and Reinhardt and how they're not winners and they don't lead. And they, well, What do they do with this? How do they handle this? What do you say? You yelled it for years. And maybe you thought they were the problem. Maybe you think that that them leaving was the right move. And I'm not saying I'm not even saying like they should have kept them. That's not that's not really what this is. What do you do with what has happened? Given that you were, if you were one of those very willing to scapegoat two guys, among others, I saw Evan Rodriguez had a, what did he get like his hundredth point or something last night? Not career, hundred something. 100th goal, maybe? 100th career goal. I think he's... Is he on Florida also? Is he playing here I think, tonight? I, I think he is. He is, yeah. Rod- Rodriguez is back here tonight, too. He Even he... Right, like, he's... He's good. He's pretty good. It he's, was, he's, a fi- he's not great. He's a fine player. 200th point, by His the way. 200th career point. And he has... I mean, they're all in the last three years. 32, 39, 43 are his last three seasons. It's a guy that It's not amazing, but... He has to get traded from here because... They didn't play him enough. I mean, everybody yeah. that's come through has kind of seen what's going on. There's a point to be made about Middlestat. Like, does Middlestat want to sign? How how eager should the Sabers be to sign Middlestat? If you're Middlestat, might still believe in what they've got going, whether that's with Kevin Adams or Don Granado. But mm-hmm. you know, anybody that wanted to leave because they said they didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. I mean, there was a rebuild, and here they are, about to draft eighth again. What do you do with it? I don't know how. You can think of the middle stat situation and not consider the possibility that he wouldn't want to do this anymore. Anybody, we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, right. Like the 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 building is emptying one by one every time they lose. You know these games where they're just over by the first period, and that guy's been through it for six years. He was here in 2017. No, excuse me, it was the 17 18 year. He showed up at the end. So since 2018, six years. I can wear on a guy, and I would, I mean, I hope this isn't true. How could you blame him if he looks at everybody that's left and sees that they their their hockey lives immediately get better? And why he wouldn't, that wouldn't appeal to him. And it's it's worth asking another question, which is all these polls about, you know, buildings to play in. There was that poll from, was it the Athletic or Hockey News? Who did that it was poll? The, it was the Athletic uh, asking players. players in the league now. The number of players that said it doesn't feel like the NHL when you come here and it's gloomy and it's bad. How much do the Sabres' own players think that? I mean, not saying anything yeah. about the town. We don't like the town or the people. Right. But I play in that building all the time. That 
people come into and say it doesn't feel like we're in the NHL when we play there. Right. It's tough. Versus when you go, I mean, you get a taste of it when you go elsewhere, right? It's tough. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's, it's bad. You've got to turn, the only way to flip that is to start winning, too. That's the thing. Like, it feels like this never ending cycle of the talent shows up and then the disappointment hits and then it continues and now it's dark and gloomy in there and it doesn't feel like the NHL and the players get just down about it and then they leave and then, oh, look, we're in the NHL again. And then they start winning. And then we start the cycle all over again. New players, talented, and they come in here, and oh, there's the disappointment, and oh, now it doesn't feel all that fun in there anymore, and now, how, how much fun is anybody having? That doesn't change. I mean, it was last year, right? It was starting to change just because there was even energy in the building. Yeah, it was nice. The arena was full enough by the end of the year where that probably felt more like the NHL than ever. I mean... Michael said what he said after they lost that first game when he was here. And he said that's the loudest I've heard that building. And he was saying it probably out of bitterness of what had just happened. But that that's a thought probably in a lot of players' heads of it's just not the experience you probably dreamt of when you were a little kid wanting to play in the NHL. So what the Sabres have to fight against is that. Is... If you don't have a tie to the city, if you don't have a tie to the organization, Casey Middlestat's a kid from Minnesota, and he dreamed of playing in the NHL his entire life, and this is six years in. This is what the experience is. Again, hope I'm wrong. How could you blame him if he thought, I'd like to see what this is like somewhere else? And the only way to correct that is to start winning. 803-0550. Josh and Chiktawaga ahead of Sabres and Panthers tonight at the uh, at KeyBank Center. Hey, Josh, good morning. Hey, boys, good morning. So, uh, essentially, where I'm at is I'm done blaming the former players. It seems to be not them. They seem to be successful in a multitude of different organizations, which means we got to go a little bit higher up the ladder in the management, ownership. I feel like the only way we can get their ear is in their pockets. I've chose the last seven, eight years to not spend a dollar on the Sabres. No merchandise, no tickets, no fancy hot dogs. They just need to get to the playoffs, put make some move, put a winner on the ice to really get me back, to get the family back. It's something that's still on in the background on most nights, on game night, but it's not, hey, we're going to sit around and watch the game tonight. And, like, the passion is – it's deep down buried there, but yeah. you know that's about the only way our voice comes across is in their pocketbooks nowadays. Yeah, thanks, Josh. You know, I was thinking about this, that I spent a lot of the offseason watching the one-hour montage of all of the Buffalo Sabres goals from last year. Mm-hmm. I told the story on the air a lot. My son and my daughter, my son especially, he would ask me every day, watch Buffalo Sabres goals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'd watch <laughs> Buffalo Sabres goals, and they started – yelling Tage Thompson's name and kind of came into this year excited to, you know, build on that. And we've taken them to kids' day games. It's it's one of the things that, it's to me, it's important to separate the on-ice product and the things that the organization tries to do better, which I do think they've done a better job of this year. Yep. Food's better. You know, the hot dogs. Oh, man, they've come such a far away from, like, the wrong jerseys during the yeah or like like the 50th anniversary season where there was a bunch of stuff like and that. And last year would have been coming a long way, too. This year, it's just the, the toughest part of it is 
it's another year that's going to be a a disappointment and it will be based on again doing very little they did very little the offseason was negligible nothing happened you signed two depth defensemen you came back with all the same goalies and everyone thought that's kind of weird that worked yeah you came back with Girgensons and Oposo again. And, and Olafson again. And Olafson never left. And it, it was just wild that everybody just stayed. And there was never any movement. Benson made the team kind of surprising. He's fine. He's good. Their biggest move was they added the Bruins' sixth-best defenseman. Yeah, and he's not been great. <laughs> They're, the way Adams is talking now, I mean, not, I'm not saying that, that this should correct waiting a year, maybe too long to do a move like this. The way Adams is talking right now, aren't the odds pretty good they're going to make a move by the opener of next season that kind of re-energizes the fans? How I don't know how big a trade that would have to be, though. That's the thing. Like, aren't they operating in a spot where 70% of the free agents won't sign here? Pretty much, and which is why it would have to be a trade. All of the no-trade clauses would would list this place. Which is... Tough. You gotta you gotta find the guy, the team that doesn't have one. Right. Your player pool. Now you're talking about guys that are on contracts that are cheap and don't have no trade clauses. Right. So they're either not good enough to get one, and this well, is painting a pretty dark picture, or they're early enough that they haven't got to that contract yet, and you can still move them around. I got well, like Peyton Krebs, right? Like you got yeah. you could trade for a Peyton Krebs because he can't he doesn't have a choice. So now you're dealing in trading for those level of players. When you say re energize the fan base it's not going to be a household name, right? I mean... It's not going to be a big free agent signing. It's not going to be a household name. I, I, it's tough to even kind of figure who it might be. With all the guys they have under contract next year, they have $26 million in cap space. Like, it, it can be expensive, can it? Like, can they go get a big name that is overpaid? Can they go get another team's Jeff Skinner because they can afford it for the next three years? I mean, they have guys under contract, but they're not in bad shape. They don't have an anchor. Well, there's a question to be asked asked there, which is, do you expect them to spend at the salary cap again? I don't. I don't know. I don't know because that I, that might be the way, the only way you can get to the move that re-energizes everybody is you're willing. The the one way you can get a big name in the building is he's on a bad contract, and you're the team that's willing to give him three million more than anybody else is, or, again, a guy that's on another contract or another team where that team just wants, you know, to, to dump him because he might be good, but, again, like who, another version of Jeff Skinner, who he's like a $6 million player that's making $9 million. Yeah. That's that's where you got to live, though. Like, until you get better, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. That's where you've got to live if you're willing to spend the money. And I think we're about to enter a time where we wonder whether or not they're willing to spend the money. I mean, their biggest trades have been to acquire cap space to stay cap compliant for a while. We went through a couple of weeks ago, I should bring that back, free agents and trade targets since they traded Eichel. And it is a wasteland. No, there's nothing. The most significant player they added is Jordan Greenway. And that's a nice, that's been a nice move. He's been pretty good for them. I think Greenway's fine. But just when you go to an offseason with half the player pool. And half the assets and maybe reluctance to spend big? Well, they're going to have to take risks, right? Like, they're either going to have to spend money or they're going to have to take risks. Like, there's there's Friedman yesterday has got that the, the Predators goaltender, UC Saros, like, is probably available because they have this stud young goalie that's like he's ready to go. 
So here's a 28-year-old number one goalie who's had Vesna votes five straight years. He's got one year left in his contract. Yeah. And Lukanen's been good. That That's like, okay, we, we need to do something. That guy doesn't have a no-movement clause. We're taking a risk because he's only got one year left on his contract. And position wasn't even really that big of a problem for us. But this dude is one of the best goalies in hockey for seven years. So we're doing that. Because that's a way for us to get better. As good as Lukanen's been, if, he, if Saros comes in and is the third best goalie in hockey, then, boom, we're a playoff team. I mean, like... Well, this year, are they? With him in that? No. But uh, maybe a couple of other years they would have been. Yeah. Last year they would have been. Last year they certainly would have been. 803-0550. Little Sabres cheddar. Hot dog. Hot dog. Florida. Sunrise, Florida. South Florida, South Florida, Miami, South Beach, right? It's close enough to all that. The Panther, the Cat. What else? Florida celebrities, they called the L.A. dog the Kobe. That's the right. Night. That's right. Although, who are like Miami celebrities that they'd be willing to throw in here? Uh, people from Miami. Okay, the famous Miami. I saw someone tweet in. I don't know if this is true or not. It's called the Mr. Worldwide. Pitbull. Pitbull. The Pitbull hot dog. M- Miami, uh, he he's number one on uh, on celebrities from Miami that came up for me. Gloria, Enrique Gl- Iglesias. Gloria Estefan. Okay, this hot dog looks really really good. It's like which I don't one? Know, what this Mister Worldwide hot dog that that's like it's a, a panini pressed foot long, uh, topped with roasted pork, ham, Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard. I I don't mind that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. This is just from a tweet. Uh, pan- they've done the panini pressed hot dog a bunch of times. Yes, they this have. Year. It's been, that's been a good move in the past. Yeah. What will it be called? The South Beach. The... I kind of like, like the Pitbull vibe. Call the it pit- the Pitbull. The Pitbull? Yeah. Call the, it the Pitbull. Or the copyright infringement? Would he sue? I mean, they called Kobe the Kobe. Would, could they not have said Kobe Bryant? I don't know. Wait a minute! Come on! They called the Nelly the country, the country grammar the story tomorrow. <laughs> Pitbull is suing the Buffalo Sabers because he named they named a hot dog after him. By by next week, he owns the team. <laughs> <laughs> that would be would that re-energize the fans if Pitbull bought a share? Eight oh three oh five fifty. Jeremy and Joe, we did instant trivia, right? We got that. It was the Reinhardt trivia. Yep. We gave you our stat of the day. Which was that Greg Williams has a better career win percentage with the Cleveland Browns than Bill Belichick did. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. All right. I got to tell you my favorite thing about free agency is we're getting closer. We're about a month away from the start of NFL free agency. I've got my favorite thing about it that I want to just kind of laugh right? at, have some fun with. We'll get that to you next here on WGR. The yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm, I'm out there with him, man. He ain't calling it quits. Come on now. He's not. I immediately wish I would have took it back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know, hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. He's letting you know not, not to be like that. Just fired me up even more to go out there and get a f-ing victory for him, man. The New Heights Podcast, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. The Sideline Bump. 
Kelsey did say when Andy Reid retires, he's done too. I'm not going to play for anybody else. So all right, let's let's all let's all pitch in and buy Andy Reid a one way ticket to Hawaii. That looks like a package package deal now. Kelsey's out too. 8030550. Breaking news the Columbus Blue Jackets fired GM Yarmo Kekalainen. Man. That that Eric Robinson trade, it was the last straw. <laughs> they traded him away for nothing. He he can play. You know, Yarmo Kekalainen is generally viewed as a terrible general manager, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay, I'm going to give you the following sentence as a follow-up. The Blue Jackets have made the playoffs 5 times since 2013. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Five playoff appearances since 2013. They've won some rounds, too, haven't they? They beat the they beat Tampa the Light- Bay Lightning. They beat the Lightning. Swept their, the Lightning. They might have been their only one. Generally viewed as a terrible GM, they've made it five times in 20, since 2013. Yeah. He, uh, he was pretty bad, I guess, but the one thing he would do is he would swing. Right, like he, he swung for Goudreau, he swung for Line A. He traded for Jeff Carter. Like we we just got through a conversation of how are the Sabers going to convince guys to come here? Okay, well, what if they trade for guys with no move, with no movement clause? Kekalainen once traded for Jeff Carter, and then two weeks later, Jeff Carter had to be traded because he basically showed up and said, "I don't want to be here." Hmm. But like he tried, right? Yep. He traded for Line A. He traded for who else? He's he signed and traded some big names. Uh, uh, Pan, uh, Panarin, right from Chicago. Goudreau, he signed. Duchesne. Duchesne. I they, mean, he can never they, keep these guys they because it's a, tough to do it there. I guess that but. was the year they loaded up and traded a bunch of the, the deadline to try and make something and go for it. That's right. Yeah. His last trade will, in fact, be Eric Robinson for a conditional was seventh. It? That's yep. funny. There you go. All right. Man, you want another trade right before that? He acquired Provorov this offseason, didn't he? From uh from from Philly. Philly. He, he was the team that did that. This is this is so hockey. The trade right before the, his so Kekalainen's last trade was the Eric Robinson trade of the Sabres. Yeah. His previous trade, June 29th, was a seventh in twenty twenty three for a seventh in twenty twenty four. Hockey trades. <laughs> you just gotta love hockey. <laughs> just the most meaningless deal yeah. ever. Provorov was a trade that they made. They acquired Damon Severson from the Devils in the offseason. That was a trade that I liked for the Sabres that How they about didn't do. They acquired Jonathan Quick. And then Quick, and now it's good again. Uh, that was another one where I think Quick showed up and said, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Because he didn't, I don't think he last a minute there. They acquired, or they traded Max Domi. That was a three-way trade with Florida. Never mind, sorry. Yeah. Voracek. And they, I feel like they traded for Voracek twice. Yeah, like way back when, and then also recently. Hey, like they the, traded, dude, the dude swung. Like they traded Seth Jones to Chicago mm-hmm. for two firsts and a second. Yeah, Yarmo Kekalainen fired five playoff appearances since 2013. Mike Babcock was there for like a hot minute. Must must be uh, must be nice. Must be nice, even to have that. You're mad at them Babcock. because their GM's not great, and right, like they do embarrassing things like that with Babcock in the off season, and they still have five more appearances, and they've won rounds. <laughs> yep. Ah, uh, okay. So free agency. You know my favorite yeah. thing about NFL free agency. We're almost again, we're like a month away, but one month from today mm-hmm. will be some, the day after the official start. Yeah. Some fan base out there 
that loves to make fun of a player is going to justify, you know, I think this might work out for this guy. Mac Jones is my example here. The mm. entire football world makes fun of Mac Jones. Yes. Some team's going to sign him for a backup, and it's going to immediately be turned into, well, you know what? Hey, listen, I think this guy might have some football left in him. Yeah. You know, he didn't get the right coach. That's right. He might be an easy one to defend, because you can just sit up and say, hey, guys, Matt Patricia ruined him. We're going to fix that. That's it. What backup idea do you like most for the Bills? Spend money, draft somebody. Mac Jones ain't that bad, isn't it? How much is he going to cost to get? Like a six-round pick? Fifth-round pick? Just do that? What would you rather do? Would you rather spend a fifth-round pick on a rookie, or would you rather spend a fifth-round pick on Mac Jones? Uh, Mac Jones. Is that is that so easy? Did I just do that? Is that the best idea? They could sign Trubisky back. He's available again. And then we can get to the deadline. I can listen to why he they shouldn't trade him for a second-round pick again. Because that happened once. Still blows my mind. Uh... But that's reasonable, I think, right? He's been here, and no. he's more accomplished, isn't he, than Kyle Allen? You don't want Mac Jones. You don't want Mac Jones? Why? Cap hit $5 million. Okay, nope. See Out. you later. Tyrod? Tyrod? Yeah, no, $5 million, no way. Uh, they can't spend money on it. They can't spend money. Like, like the, the dr- mid-round rookie seems like the, the reasonable idea, I think, now. Yeah, but not too high on the mid-round. They've got other needs. Like what about a fifth? Is that the high as high as you go? But if doesn't Peterman. A, doesn't a fifth feel like you're then not prepared at backup quarterback? I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, would you feel worse about a fifth than you did about Kyle Allen this year? I, I mean, the, the argument I would try to make on that is that you I at least have an unknown with a fifth round rookie where I've seen Kyle Allen. But I, I kind of know what he is. But right? I don't. I don't want an unknown. I want a known. Trubisky was but always you, but, but, a good but, idea to me because this guy has played and can succeed in the league. He's not Josh Allen. Hopefully he never plays. But if he does play, he has thrown 24 touchdowns in a season. A fifth-round pick might go in and be, you know, what? I think from the Bills... What but you don't I, want to know him terrible, right? Like, that's kind of what like a Kyle Allen I, is, isn't I, it? Sure. I, I, sure. I don't want to know him terrible. I want to know him can play this game. And a fifth-round draft pick, this is the kind of team that... Look at how many backups had to play last year. Josh Dobbs yeah. played for multiple teams. Yep. The number of Flacco. backups, Jake Browning. Jake Browning. Jake Browning was good for Cincinnati. He was he was a six-round pick. That's right, he was a six-round pick. And he so. went a couple years without playing, and then, like, okay, here we go. Like this, So they've done that for years now, right? Cincinnati has. Yeah. Um, Huntley, by the way, in Baltimore is kind of the same thing, like the late-round pick or even maybe undrafted, and they just kind of let him sit back there. Yeah, Jake, I mean, you could go one year where you have the veteran and you have the rookie backup, and you know by year two, if the rookie backup looks like okay, this is capable, then we can just not go for the veteran again. Yeah, Jake Browning spent three years with Minnesota and then four years with Cincinnati before playing a game. Oh, so he's been around a while, long time. Okay. What, I mean, what you want to do with backup quarterback for the Bills is again, it's not easy to do it. You want to check a couple boxes to me. As cheap as possible, not spend an asset on it, so not a draft pick. But I can't spend $7 million. I can't spend three. I, what, you can't spend much at all. I can't spend all. much at all. But you're right. Like, man, a lot of backups did play last year. Like, I don't know. Is it unrealistic for them to go get one of these? What do these veteran types want? Like, do, what, is, do, what does a Tannehill want? What does a Flacco want? Or does Flacco want to retire, maybe? Do you just bring Kyle Allen back? Kyle Allen was one year, one million, pretty much. You want it again? Uh, I, somebody, I, I'd is, like a more is somebody reasonable giving him, idea. Is somebody giving him more? Who, Kyle Allen? Yeah. No. He did not attempt to pass. 
How many snaps did he take? Like, what, garbage time handoffs and kneel downs? Yeah. That's pretty much it. Which is fine. He had 38 snaps. Kyle Allen. Didn't throw a pass. I think maybe, maybe... I think the right answer here is you find the cheapest. Maybe you, maybe it's Kyle Allen again. Maybe it has to be. You find the cheapest veteran you can get your hands on, and you spend that fifth, sixth, seventh round pick on a quarterback, and you just you go through camp and you give that guy the opportunity to to win you over as okay, he can be our number two. And if he doesn't, then you give him one year on the bench or the practice squad, and that's it. If, if you haven't done it by the second year, then you have to do something else. But I think what you'd like to get to is what where the Bengals are, right? Like. Or where the Ravens are. Cheap, young guy that they can just have on a rookie deal for a couple of years. That's where I'd like to get to yeah. rather than having every year to, to, to go find a different veteran, I think. If you want the most nitpicky thing of all time, did the Bills miss an opportunity to let Kyle Allen throw like 10 passes? Would you like, he, he didn't throw one pass for you? I mean. These are the games he went into. New Year's Eve, Patriots, he ran it twice, two kneel downs. Okay, single score game, fine. Cowboys, he went in. You were dominating. You don't want to get I mean, five passes for Kyle Allen. If I you're, hear you, but if, if you're Kyle Allen's agent, you're calling and saying, "Like, listen, my guy's making a million dollars. He's your backup. Can you let him throw a pass this year?" I mean, what? What? Who is he calling with that? With that question, though? What are we? What are we doing? Joe, with that some question? of these games, he went in for the Raiders and the Commanders and the Jets and the Cowboys. Those were four Bills blowouts. Yeah, where you put but, the backup quarterback in. He had 38 snaps, and they wouldn't let him throw the ball once. But he's not like a rookie quarterback. The dude's got 700 passes in his career. Like, give the guy a handshake. <laughs> he's he, the whole training camp. He's throwing passes. He can't throw a single pass. I mean, he was throwing in training camp. He was throwing it to the other team. If you remember back that far, by the way, we were wondering if he was going to get cut for Matt Barkley. There was a preseason game, wasn't there? But preseason doesn't matter. Again, wasn't there a second? The second preseason game, weren't we all coming in the next day saying, oh, Matt Barkley's retaking the second job? Yeah, right. I think it was the first preseason. Or the first preseason game. The first, and then it was the second where, like, okay, there you go. it went back to Kyle Allen. So, like, I don't know, like, who's, who's Kyle Allen? Million dollars, probably might not even been in the league if the Bills hadn't signed him last year. And he's attempted 700 passes. What do I need? A development they, for him? They let Kyle Williams run a touchdown in. That's Kyle Williams. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be on the Wall of Fame. If they still have one at the new stadium or something. Josh Allen's the only player to have attempted a pass for the Bills this season. It's not even like we got a running back that threw one and Kyle Allen didn't. Well, they don't do trick plays anymore. That's I right. want Tyrod Taylor. That's what I want. I want to bring Tyrod back. Can I get him? One, one million? Two million? End of his career? Come back home? Please don't confuse my incredulousness with actually being upset that Kyle Allen didn't throw a pass. I just feel like, you know, throw the guy a bone. If you're Josh Allen and he's friends with you, once, right. he, once he's 30... Well, 30, that's a requirement. We've talked about we this. Have, You've got to be friends with the quarterback right. or you're not on the team. Once he's 30 snaps in and hasn't thrown a pass, might you go to the coach and be like, can you let Kyle throw one? Can we call Wait, who is saying this? Josh. Josh is saying is it? saying this to the coaches now. Come on. This is like shake and bake. But then Kyle Allen shake throws and it deep, and from... now I've got a controversy. Like when Jameis Winston ran a touchdown at the end of the game in that's... Week 18, and now I'm running up the score, and now that's a whole thing. He had 38 snaps. They were not all kneel downs. 25 snaps. Right, I could have given him one play action one pass. One rollout. <laughs> Maybe one play action pass. Come on, Bill. This is so, uh, 
isn't so unreasonable. What about uh, Zach Wilson? What's his contract? It's probably the same as Mac Jones because he's, uh, he's available for trade. Too much. I mean, he's going to be a second overall pick. Also, if you want, what do you want for a backup quarterback? If you want safe, conservative, don't turn the ball over, that might be the guy you go for. If you want the wildest ride of your life, you might throw Zach Wilson back there. What we need to happen is we need the NFL trade market to be someplace that you're only allowed to make a trade publicly. And what I mean by that is the Jets should have to go to a podium, a stage, like an auction, and they say, all right, uh, now it's time... And this is the only opportunity for any team to trade for Zach Wilson. The asking price for the Jets is a seventh-round pick. Zach Wilson brings with him an $11 million cap hit. Okay, no, never mind. Wait, they're try- there's reports that they're- they think they're going to trade him yes. with $11 million? Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. That's ridiculous. An $11 million cap hit for Zach Wilson. Not, yeah, no. all-, not all at once. Who's interested? Remember, the Bills reportedly made an offer to get Trey Lance from the Niners in the preseason last year. Okay. I don't know where he stands. He's on the Cowboys still. I mean, I don't think the Cowboys trade for him if they didn't imagine him as the backup to Dak Prescott in the future. But the Bills the Bills thought that was going to work, and that's the same draft. Like, what's the cap hit there? Because the Bills thought the Bills made an offer thinking that they were going to fit his money last year. So here's your answer to that. You call the Cowboys, you trade for Trey Lance, and then you extend him and restructure him if you wanted to. Because Trey Lance's cap it is 5.3. You can't do that. No. On the, on the, he's got one year, one you, year left on his deal, 5.3 is the you, cap it. You give him like one year of an extension and you split it down the middle for like two, two and a half. Go do that again. I'm into that. I just want to back a quarterback Darnold. that's mobile. Sam Darnold, whoever. I, I want to back a quarterback that's mobile. That's yeah. what I would really like. Oh. Other than Flacco, a lot of the guys that came in, how did Josh Dobbs keep his keep the Vikings above water for a time? How did he do? How did he have the Cardinals out of the first overall pick early on? Dude's not a good passer. He runs. That's it. Tyler Huntley, same thing. How did they almost beat the Bengals in a playoff game when Lamar Jackson got hurt last year? He's not a good passer. He runs. You're never gonna get a good arm. You're never gonna get an efficient passer. As a backup, I just want a guy that can run the ball a little bit because I need that off schedule if. If you're going to miss Allen for like three, four games and you need to go 500, give me, give me someone that can run. Tyrod. Tyrod. Would he come back here? Maybe. wonder how his relationship was, was with McDermott. I mean, he did get benched for Peterman. <laughs> Maybe never mind. That might be tough to come back from. I yeah. don't know. I know All I right. once benched you for the worst quarterback to ever play in the yeah. NFL, but anyways. 8030550. Extendo Sports next and the Extra Point Show as we roll here on uh, this overcast. I, I turn around and look, it's overcast. Felt like it was sunny earlier. Anyway, overcast Thursday. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. All right, game night tonight. Sabres and Panthers. We'll get a hot dog of the day. See if the Sabres have answers against these uh, Panthers, who are they're Joe, really good. They're really hot too. Like they're they're uh, rolling goal differential or whatever. They, they've they're seven two and one in their last ten. They've won three in a row. Mm-hmm. Their goal differential is a plus thirty nine. They're two points back of the Bruins. I bet they probably win the division. I like that. Yeah, they would they be favored to win the East right now. 
I might, because if not, well, even if so, I might want to bet them. Yeah. They beat the Penguins last night. If there's one nice thing for the Sabres tonight, their Panthers are coming off back-to-back. Yep, they won last night in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. They are the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. Florida. Yeah. They're the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. The most likely Stanley Cup matchup by the odds is Edmonton and Florida. Edmonton 8-2 and two in their last 10. Vegas 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. Vancouver 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. The Pacific is a, uh, is a real race there. Will Florida... Oh, Vancouver's got a huge lead, but... Yeah. Florida being in the Sabre division for... Has it been like 10 years now? Yeah. Been a long time. The division's not doing the Sabres any favors. For instance, no. 5-5-0. Five, five and, five, five and oh, That's where the Sabres are in their own division. 5-5-0? Five, five and oh. Yeah. In the last 10 games. In the last 10 games, the... the Sabres have 10 points in the last 10 games. That's the second lowest total. Mm-hmm. The lowest total is Ottawa, or sorry, Montreal, who has nine. So 10 points in 10 games yeah. is losing ground. Interestingly, we thought maybe coming into the year. All right, Boston, again, looking idiotic. I can't believe I, bu- I bought into again. Hey, maybe the Bruins are worse than normal. They're, nope. never, they're never bad. Never going to happen. Don't. Who cares who's playing center? They're, they're going to be good. Uh, first in the division. Uh, I never thought Florida would be bad. Tampa, hey, they're getting older. Maybe Tampa will step back. That looked like it might be happening for a little bit, and then Vasilevsky got healthy again, and now they're right back to top three. Uh, Toronto has been maybe the team, although I guess Toronto's only one point behind Tampa. But Toronto, interestingly, has been the team that kind of stepped back for you to catch. That was there. That was gettable. There's yep. 62 points in 51 games. A good season from the Sabres. They could have they could have finished above Toronto. Absolutely. Will Detroit finish ahead of Toronto? They might. They're only two points back. They'd have to stay hot. Well, that's it. All right. Back tomorrow for a Friday. Not quite a football Friday. What's going on? We've got Sabres. We'll recap Sabres and Panthers. We'll have Matt Larkin on to talk Sabres. He also is doing uh, all of the Olympic projections for daily face-off. Just want to get into that for a moment with him. Yeah. And so Ukapekalukunen is number one in the NHL in goals save above expected in the last, like, six weeks. Yeah, since, he's, like, December 1st. He's been really, really hot. So they'll probably need him tonight. Sabres and Panthers and Sam Reinhart's uh, another return for him to Key Bank Center, first one of the year. Thanks for listening, calling, texting, tweeting, all that good stuff. Extra Point Show next on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.